spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com. Code SUPER24. These are the very best entitled parent stories of 2023 so far. Starting with this absolutely unhinged entitled mum. My mum invoiced me and my sister for the expenses of raising us. Our household always revolved around money. Even though my mum made more than enough money and we were not struggling by any means. She complained about every single thing she had to buy for us. Everything. Food, clothes, medical expenses, toys, laptops and phones, school costs, everything. We always knew exactly how much we were costing her. We didn't dare ask for unnecessary things like leisure activities or expensive toys or hobby supplies. We started working very young and she manipulated and guilted us to give her all the money we earned to pay off what we owed. When I turned 18, she completely cut me off financially, but kindly offered to let me rent my bedroom out from her and sent me an invoice of every cent I've ever cost her, totaling over $700,000. She billed me for Christmas and birthday presents. She even billed me for her medical expenses for the pregnancy and delivery and wanted me to back pay rent to live in the house from birth. She did the same to my sister two years later when she turned 18. We were supposed to pay her back over time starting the day we turned 18. Both of us were still dealing with a lot of internalized guilt from her constant manipulation, so we actually did pay for a while. Aside from necessary expenses, our entire paychecks were going to her. We rented our bedrooms in her house, and she separated her food, cleaning supplies, cookware, and tableware, etc., from ours, and charged us to use them. She generously included the use of the household appliances in our rents. It wasn't until I was 21 and my sister was 19 that enough people had told us this whole arrangement was un hinged and we finally snapped out of it we moved out together and have stopped paying our mum or even contacting her at all wow imagine being charged seven hundred thousand dollars for simply being born into this earth and raised by your mother a choice that you don't have by the way incredible i don't even know what more i can say to this other than it's absolutely mental and i'm glad that even though you did have to pay it off for a little bit of time you're now out of that arrangement pretty quickly and you no longer speak to your absolute witch of a mother my entitled ex-family shows up at my job hey reddit fam with the title of this one you know it's a clusterfuck this happened friday night and i've been struggling to put into words just how insane it was my ex-in-laws and my ex showed up at my freaking job during the biggest event of the year Every year at my job, there is a Christmas-themed party. The dancers dress up as sexy elves, my boss dresses up as Santa, the bartenders dress up as reindeer, and the bouncers dress up as snowmen. The place is beautifully decorated as a winter wonderland, with a huge throne for my boss to sit on and custom poles for the dancers to dance around him. It's a huge thing at my job, and it's always one of the highest grossing nights of the year. It's advertised all over town that people can come, get their pictures taken with us, sit on Santa's lap, and enjoy a fun evening with custom Christmas music made by a DJ. We even have Christmas-themed drinks, guys, 
and they're so good I was so excited for it because I started working there this year So it was my first time being part of this event. I was dancing that evening So I was dressed up as a sexy elf. I was feeling great It was pretty late into the evening around midnight when this incident took place I was dancing on stage when out of nowhere I heard the shrieking sound of my ex-mother-in-law crying. I turned around and there they were my ex-mother-in-law my ex-father-in-law and freaking bill My ex-mother-in-law was slapping at bill's arm and pointing at me. I couldn't make out what she was saying over the music All I could hear was the shrill sound of her voice. I started looking around for kyle my boyfriend I couldn't see him but I did see other bouncers So I waved at them trying to get their attention. We have a special wave that when a bouncer sees it They know to come running bill comes to the stage and starts shouting at me while the men around him were waving cash at me He tells me to come down and to come with him that I was bringing shame to his family. I ignored him I saw a couple of bouncers heading for us. So I kept dancing believing I was saved That was protocol call the bouncer and keep working to avoid making a scene It was then that I felt someone grab my ankle and pull in my panic. I fall and let out a scream I look up and it's bill. He'd pulled himself onto the stage and grabbed me I start kicking at him with my other foot until the bouncers finally got there and pulled him away from me I feel someone else grabbed me and I screamed again But when I looked up, I saw it was kyle bill and my ex-in-laws were taken into the office While I was taken backstage to ride out the panic attack Kyle held me until I calmed down the police were called and I got to watch as bill was forced into the back of a police cruiser in handcuffs He's being charged with public disturbance assault and trespassing My boss was talking to my ex-in-laws telling them not to come back and warn them the police would be called if they did Despite how angry he was my boss was pretty calm and polite I then heard my ex-mother-in-law shouting about how she was going to take me to court to take my children away from me Because a godless woman like me wasn't fit to be a mother I couldn't take hearing that and I rushed at her Kyle had to grab me and stop me But I was screaming at her that she was a psychopath and she would never get her hands on my kids again That she'd raised a lying cheating emotionally abusive scumbag She raised her hand to slap me, but the bouncers and police got between us She and my ex-father-in-law got into their car and drove off after being threatened with arrest After karma been restored, we all went back inside and resumed the party I made good money that night Even Samantha, my job's entitled gossiper, couldn't deny what Bill and my ex-in-laws did was crazy Over the weekend, I got a call from someone claiming to be Bill's ex-girlfriend The one he cheated on me with I asked her how she got my number and she said she had her ways She said she decided to call me after Bill called her begging to get bailed out She told me that during their relationship, my ex-mother-in-law treated her terribly And compared me and her in a lot of ways and always acted like she wasn't good enough She was relieved when they went to Greece, believing her and Bill's relationship could be salvaged at that point But she was wrong. Bill would also talk about me a lot and she was also crying about being compared to his ex When I got the job at the club, his behavior became more erratic She told me that she confronted him after he was thrown out of the club because word travels fast and she heard about the whole thing He got angry and slapped her and then threw her out of his house She got him arrested and he was fired from his job as a result I thanked her for the information and promptly told her never to call me again She asked me why and I told her that she had no issue cheating with bill and hurting his wife and kids And that she was only calling me to get back at him for what he's done to her I hung up and blocked her. I plan to go file for a restraining order today, but now I'm armed with more information that will make the process so much easier and go so much faster. 
win for me and there we go that is the end of the first post of this episode however the post that i'm about to read you is actually a continuation of this story because believe it or not more actually happens as a result of this now i've got to say when i read the title of this i thought okay it doesn't sound too bad i didn't think that your ex's family showing up to your job could possibly go as badly as this it's great to see that there was some justice in the end but as i said this is just the beginning here is an update to this post update ex-mother-in-law got arrested Hey Reddit fam, I wanted to come on here and give a little update into everything going on. For the people new to my story, I'm in general a magnet for entitled, trashy, and psychotic people. Yeah guys, I've read more posts from this user before, not related to the incident I just read, and let me tell you, they attract a lot of entitled people. That is for sure. I don't know what it is about me that draws them in, but they flock to me like moths to a flame. My mother is Beazle and then the B word for those who know me. That is what OP calls their mum. In the last post, you guys all saw how my ex-in-laws and ex-husband, Bill, showed up to my job during the biggest event of the year. I am an exotic dancer and bartender at my current job, if that wasn't obvious. My ex is bitter that I'm now in the best shape of my life and I look damn good compared to when he and I were together. I'm dating an amazing guy named Kyle and my kids are doing great on to the crazy so after my ex-in-laws were banned from my job i sought the counsel of an attorney i didn't want to wait it out anymore in hopes that they would just go away like i have in the past i'm going for the jugular with this so to speak i filed for an emergency restraining order citing my kids and i aren't safe around my ex-mother-in-law and my ex-husband my ex-father-in-law is just a shell that lets my ex-mother-in-law get away with stuff and doesn't put her in her place my restraining order was granted temporarily within 24 hours thanks to all of the evidence i was able to provide my ex-in-laws and bill were both served that very same day We had a hearing on the 23rd where I was able to plead my case and the judge got to see all of the evidence I had proving why Bill and my ex-mother-in-law are dangerous for me and my kids. My ex-mother-in-law tried to pull a classic tactic of crying and wailing whenever I talked so the judge would have to stop the proceedings to tell her to shut the frick up. Eventually, I got through what I wanted to say and showed what I wanted. Then my ex-mother-in-law and Bill were given the chance to say their piece. My ex-mother-in-law shushed Bill and completely stuck her foot into her mouth by blabbering on about religion and how God is judging me for not coming home to my husband's rule. The man is the Lord, while the woman is the subservient slave to his will, and I will burn in hell for not honoring our marriage. The judge reminded her that Bill and I are legally divorced, and my ex-mother-in-law shouted at him that no power on earth has the right to sever a marriage that is morally and spiritually binding forever. I was chosen to be Bill's wife by God, and I will honor it or there will be consequences the judge asked her what she meant and my ex-mother-in-law tried to play coy and said op will see the judge then asked bill to say his piece bill looked uncomfortable he tried to stand up but his mum grabbed his arm and told him to sit down the judge threatened to hold her in contempt and she let go grumbling at him bill then stood up and moved away from his mum. he started ranting about how crazy she is and that he didn't want to be there He thought he could manipulate me into sleeping with him, but he got tossed out on his butt when he tried and he gave up then and there. His mum is the one that is doing all of this and he wants no part of it anymore. His life is ruined because everything he's done has been in an attempt to appease her and it's blown up in his face. He then begged the judge to uphold the restraining order because his mum has told him that she plans to hurt me if I didn't comply with her demands. He said she was dangerous and unhinged and suggests she needs some kind of psychological help. His mum was freaking speechless, but one couldn't deny the look of absolute guilt plastered on her face. Turns out she does need psychological help. My ex-father-in-law then stood up and asked to say a few words. The judge agreed because he looked to be entertained by the three ring circus playing out in front of him. 
He went up to the stand besides Bella and confessed to the judge that my ex-mother-in-law is suffering from the effects of dementia and it's been a closely guarded secret between them for the past two years. My ex-mother-in-law was receiving treatment but stopped when Bill and I moved away from the old states. Since then, she's gotten worse and he fears what she will do if left allowed to roam free. They've always been religious, but when my ex-mother-in-law stopped treatment, she began experiencing psychotic episodes and illusions of grandeur. He also confessed that if I'd agreed to let them take my youngest to Greece, my ex-mother-in-law had no intention of bringing him back. My jaw hit the floor. My ex-father-in-law looked at me and pleaded for forgiveness for not putting a stop to the insanity sooner. Bill also apologized for the hell he'd put me through, stating he'd been an idiot and hoped that I could forgive him. Everything seemed to fall into place and things made sense. I never mentioned it, but I did notice whenever I saw my ex-mother-in-law, she'd be forgetful, stare off into space. She seemed confused at times and sometimes she didn't know who people were. I just thought it was an act to avoid dealing with people. It was then that I heard my ex-mother-in-law shrieking. She got up and ran at my ex-father-in-law and began beating on him until the bailiff pulled her off of him. She was put into cuffs and the judge ordered her to undergo 90 days in a psychiatric treatment facility. She screamed, wailed, and kicked as she was carted out of the room. The restraining order was granted for a year. I was completely numb and had no reaction when the verdict was given. I was confused and gobsmacked out of my freaking mind at what I'd just heard. I almost didn't believe it even happened and I wondered if that edible I ate beforehand to calm my nerves was screwing with my head. I spoke to my ex-father-in-law after court. He's taking Bill back home to the old state to help him get back on his feet. He promised me that he and Bill will never bother me again and once my ex-mother-in-law is released, he will ensure she doesn't either. I went home and hugged my kids and we went out to look at Christmas lights that night. So there you go. That is the end of that one. Uh, If you thought the first post was a bit mental, wow. Just imagine, picture right now in your head, this mother-in-law in court just going completely mental not even letting her own son speak when it is directly about him very very strange and yeah the more i think about it and the more i read there the more i realize that it's probable that it's just this woman that's behind everything and she is the main issue here now i get it she has dementia that is obviously a big shock however there's a difference between having dementia and being a horrible person right like dementia doesn't make you horrible sure it can make you extremely confused and forget things because that's obvious but it doesn't make you go mental at your son's ex and just completely try and ruin their lives that doesn't really link up i'm very happy to hear that you and your kids had a good christmas and honestly despite the fact that this woman is just mental i hope she gets the help that she clearly very much needs now although that is the conclusion of that story for now at least we do have one more now the title of this one is gonna shock you kicked out of a restaurant for breastfeeding I am a 17 year old woman and I feel so humiliated. I can't believe I'm writing this So a couple of days ago, I went on a walk with my baby to a park on the way back I was pretty hungry and stopped by this cafe place for a quick buy and ordered a soup I pay and sit at a table then my baby gets fussy and I know it's time for her to eat I had a bottle packed but realized I accidentally left it at home. So I just gave her the boob Then I hear a lady go are you serious? I didn't think anyone was talking to me, so I minded my business. Because that's what you do when nobody's bothering you. Then I felt some harsh tapping on my shoulder, and the same lady going, Excuse me? Annoyed someone's hitting my shoulder, I turn around and go, Excuse you? Karen's like, That's inappropriate. You need to stop. I'm like, Stop what? She says, Are you freaking stupid? Of course you are. That's probably why you have a baby so young. 
That was a good one. I'll give her that. She says something about this being a public place and she doesn't like that I'm exposing myself in front of her husband who's sitting at the table next to us watching his wife act stupid and I should go to the bathroom to take care of that or something. And I shouldn't bring a newborn baby. My baby is obviously too big to be a newborn out in public anyway because of Corona and stuff. She wasn't even wearing a mask and was all up in my face. So obviously not that concerned about Corona. And also guys, this was posted just a few days ago I don't know about you, but I feel like Corona is kind of done now. Now look, I'm not going to go to the bathroom because that's weird. And I'm not leaving because I'm waiting on my soup. I tried to politely tell her I'm not leaving. And if she's worried about Corona, she should back up away from me and my baby. And everyone can mind their business like normal people. She says, okay, I'm telling. Sorry, is she two? How mature? She walks off and I look over at her husband and he says, you should be more modest. I just cringe at him and look away because I'm not about to argue with a grown man. The manager eventually comes over and says, I need to stop or leave. I'm kind of mind blown because I thought kicking someone out for breastfeeding was illegal, but apparently not. I said, well, she's hungry and she's going to cry if I stop. And I'm not leaving because I'm waiting on my soup, which they said would take 20 minutes because of something going on or whatever. And at this point, there's at least 15 minutes left. So can I get a refund? He said they don't do refunds, but you can give me restaurant credit like a gift card or something but I'm definitely not going back there. So I'm not going to need that. And I just left. Of course, Karen mumbled a few things about me being insert slur here or whatever to the manager. And I told her to shut up. Then she started screaming, but I walked out the door before I could hear her to raid on me. And the manager stopped her from following me. I'm in Los Angeles, by the way, which isn't a really conservative area. But yeah, my first experience with a Karen. Okay, that's the end of that one. Now I've got to say this one is extremely controversial. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see that I've got the comments up on the screen right here. There's a lot of information in these comments about what has exactly happened here and how what actually occurred is not only illegal, but downright disgusting as well. So first comment right here. Breastfeeding is allowed in public in all 50 states in America. You'll find lots of information here if I'm successful with adding this link. It does start off mentioning New Jersey because that's where I am. However, it goes on to list important facts that relate to breastfeeding throughout the US. Don't let people like this prevent you from taking care of your child in the way that is best for them and best for you. Okay, so as you can see, I'm on the link now, breastfeeding state laws. And if you come down just to here, here we go. All 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands have laws that specifically allow women to breastfeed in any public or private location. So there you go. It literally says it in writing right here that you're allowed legally. So I don't really understand why you've been told to, to leave why you've been kicked out when it's literally written right here that is the law you're allowed to do that therefore what the manager did is actually illegal and i think you need to do something about it right opie has said as well here i found some info about the owner online i emailed him saying what happened i know the place of security cameras since they have that weird smile you're on camera sign also suing takes some money which i don't have a lot of time to waste being a mum, fine and they can't imagine that they sue and win get a great compensation the five dollars they pay for the soup content getting the manager fired though that is fair like it's not really in your interest to spam and like put all the effort in just for a little bit of money that you might get you might not even get that much to be fair as you say but yeah i agree you need some form of like not even physical compensation but justice to be done here because you were not treated fairly and here we go one more comment is linking ll usa la leche league usa they need to be informed of such actions they are the ones who have made it possible for women to feed our children without shame please reach out to them and as you can see this is all about finding breastfeeding support commit to helping families reach their nursing goals in any sort of you know domain so 
It's crazy. I didn't know that that was the law in America because I don't live there. But maybe you guys that are American, when you were like looking and reading along with me right there, were thinking, this is not legal. And clearly, something needs to be done. Get in the comments. What do you reckon should happen? Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Thought of napkins as a makeshift bandage to hold the blood in. Police ask me what happened, and I say they tried stealing my bike and found out it's not the same as the video games. They don't know it yet, but I'm pressing charges and they're facing consequences this time. I wasn't really bothered about being nice, as they did try stealing my living and my pride and joy. The cops looked stunned by my disregard for the fact that they were dealing with two young people who were seriously injured, and the following conversation ensues. The first cop asked, Are you sure you want to do that? They're injured and they're just kids after all. Sternly, I said, Yes. Their age does not negate the fact that they committed serious crimes. The second cop pleaded, But you might screw up their lives. Well, they don't go to school, they commit crimes on the daily, and all you do is issue ASBOs, antisocial behavior orders. Time for a few real consequences. Do your job and start reading them their rights. Now, the cops didn't like my tone, but they understood my anger and proceeded to read the kid under the bike his rights as the ambulance pulled up. They obviously tended to the unconscious kid first, and then one broke off to help the police tend to the kid that was under the bike. As they do, their parents, who had been alerted to the situation after the police called, then showed up, driving pretty recklessly and parking in a bus stop. They run in and look at the yob in pain and his friend unconscious. The father asks, Why are you arresting them? They're just being stupid kids. We'll pay for the damages, I swear. I state, I'm having them charged because they aren't going to learn any other way. You're also paying for the damage regardless of the outcome of this day. The father then says, I'll only pay for the damages if you drop the charges. A cop says to him, Sir, I'd advise you to pay for the damages. It might help him at sentencing. The mother then pipes up and goes, How much time could he get without us paying? Four years easy, I stated. The mother went pale. She started blubbering, going, Why can't you let him go? He's just a kid. Yeah, he's also a criminal and he needs to face the consequences of his actions. For once, I replied. Now, the phrase I hated most was, they're just kids. It did nothing but annoy me. Where I grew up, if you screwed up, you owned it and took the steps to make amends. No excuses, even if you were just a kid. In my book, the excuse was nothing but a cop-out and the reason that these jobs and their friends felt emboldened to commit non-stop crimes. It was the cheapest form of entitlement and these kids needed to learn a lesson once and for all. In the end, the kid who was unconscious was charged as an accessory to all the crimes of his cohort after waking up from a week-long coma The other kid was charged with theft of a motor vehicle and vandalism after he got out of the hospital with a broken leg That was before police started taking complaints in the dozen about them and their friends All of which were promptly rounded up and charged too The parents paid for the damages to the bike to help reduce their sentencing and tried arguing that the kid had done enough to appease the law In total the kid who tried driving my motorcycle got two years in juvenile detention with a three-year probation 
The kid in the coma got six months with 18 months probation. The rest of the kids got anything ranging from hundreds of hours of community service to four years in juvenile detention based upon the amount of crimes they were charged with. Between the 10 of them, they racked up a grand total of 127 charges that they pleaded down to three charges each. Now, some might think that I was harsh in all this, but two years on and the two kids who once tried stealing my bike were going to school finally. They apologized genuinely for their criminality and are doing better. So all in all, they learned their lessons and they were set to try and succeed more despite their past behavior. Moral of the story is, when you excuse bad behavior, it allows for entitled behavior. When you punish it, it can stop people from acting worse before they cross serious lines. Yeah, you know what, OP? I completely agree with you. If you hadn't done something and put your foot down at this moment, who knows what these jobs would have gone on to do. In my opinion, it probably would have gone on to be a lot worse, as you say, and who knows what sort of crimes they could have actually gone and done. You are completely right, though. It's the fact that their parents are saying, no, they're just kids. Come on, let them get away with literally stealing a motorbike. That is the reason why they think they're allowed to do these things. Also, I don't know what's going on the police here just because they're juvenile means the police are like oh come on let's just calm down a little bit here they're just kids as well it's ridiculous to be honest from what you said at the end there it sounds like you did all the kids a favor despite the fact that they have enabling parents who have tried to get them out of trouble and probably have done multiple times in the past but look they're on a good path now and that is thanks to you so fair play so-called grandmother demands i edit the obituary to include her son This happened to me today and I'm still seething. For context, I just lost my mum to lung cancer this past Sunday after getting her home for at-home care just two days prior. I've been taking care of everything since then, including her beloved cat, while dealing with my own grief. The funeral home let me write the obituary due to how frazzled I was when we met with them. I only named those who I felt were closest to her, even double-checked with two of those. Confident with it, I sent it to their funeral home and they didn't edit it further, posting it on their site immediately. Now to what happened. I decided to take it easy since I'd been running on fumes for the better part of the week, sort of waiting for people to get back to me on some important matters. So while I'm just sort of relaxing with my furry little brother, I get a phone call. Caller ID shows it's my grandmother on my mum's ex-husband's side. I answer and she asks why I didn't name that ex-husband, aka her precious angel. I respond honestly, I couldn't figure out a good way to do so. This so-called relative of mine proceeds to get upset, saying that it will hurt him. Pretty much demands I edit the obituary to include this man who left us when I was three and hardly ever paid child support. A man who hasn't even bothered to get my number and call me to see how I, his so-called daughter, is doing. I calmly explained to her that I couldn't edit it. It's up on their site and out of my hands. She got mad with me and then told me to think about it before hanging up. Thankfully, the rest of the family is on my side and will chew her butt out. Now I have a migraine and feel more exhausted. And no, this isn't the first time she's tried to speak up for her son. The last time she did it around me, I was 16 and I called her out on it. My update if anything interesting comes from this, but don't get your hopes up. Right now, I'm gonna chill. Well, good news, we do have a little update, and it's actually quite encouraging. You're gonna wanna sit down, people of Reddit, because I've got an update. So apparently, I found this out secondhand. My so-called father found out what she did and chewed her out. Between being ripped a new one by her precious angel, her grandkids, and the most respected member of the family, the old bat called me to apologize. Take that as you will, I'm calling it a win. Wow, would you look at that? A lesser spotted actual apology from an entitled person. Would you believe it? I can't quite. I mean, let's not get it twisted. It's absolutely what should have happened in this moment. But still, to actually see it on r slash entitled people, I can barely believe my eyes. 
let's carry on rage at me for 30 minutes get time with police so i'm in my 60s my grandniece is turning 20 doing ridiculously well in college and i bought her lunch and a tank of gas at the local sandwich shop convenience store while she had time passing through between home and college if she makes the dean's list i pay 90 percent or more of her student debt and i give her cash for expenses if she keeps her grades up and stays out of trouble i'm in a position to do this and i have been for all of my nieces and nephews and grandnieces and nephews we kept getting the side eye then outright stares from a four-person group of middle-aged women a couple of tables over my grandniece gave me a hug and kiss on the cheek told me she loved me and went out to fill her tank while i went up to the counter to wait until she hung up the pump so i could pay we drove separately and i wasn't in any particular rush to get anywhere these women then came to the counter and freaked out calling me everything from a pedo to a sugar daddy accusing me of human trafficking and i made the mistake of engaging long enough to tell them it was my grandniece so then it turned into incest pedophile human trafficker i wouldn't say anything after that there's no point at all in arguing with idiots but they actually blocked the door so i couldn't leave and raised such a commotion that the convenience store people called the police but they wouldn't call the police so when a police officer got there they mobbed him i had to wait until two other officers showed up to give my story then i called my grandniece and let the officer talk to her It took about 25 minutes before the police showed up and another 50 minutes for me to be free to leave But the hysterical woman was still blocking the door The officer finally threatened to put them in handcuffs before they unblocked the door so I could leave I filled out a complaint suggested by one of the officers for unlawful detainment unlawfully detained I don't know how this will go But why not since they screamed bloody murder detained me for almost an hour Raised hell in the convenience store for an hour and did this in a small town. I have to live in why are people this delicious? Delusional talking and laughing driving away in her own vehicle getting a side hug and kiss on the cheek makes me a pedophile or human trafficker No matter what the police told them they wouldn't stop Do these type of people have nothing better to do? There you go. Answered your own question. Was it rhetorical? We'll never know but uh, I've answered it for you, my friend. Uh, I'm just reading through the comments and someone has said that, why didn't you just call 911? Help, I'm being held against my will. I can't leave. These women keep screaming how I deserve to die, etc., etc. OP replied, they left their phone in their vehicle. That is tough because yeah, the obvious answer would be just to say, look, what's going on here? Can you come and sort this out? But if you have no phone, what are you going to do? OP also said they're 6'5", 230 pounds and still in relatively good shape for their age. So they could have gone through them like butter, but instead they just backed up and let them look crazy. That is the thing to do because if you start getting physical, then that is an issue. And you unfortunately potentially end up in the wrong there. I just imagine these women screaming assault. You know, they're already saying some crazy incestual pedophilic things. Who knows? They could easily jump to assault, couldn't they? If you start getting physical. So fair play for just being chill and you got your you got your justice in the end entitled ex-friend threatens to sue me for my uterus my ex-friend is commonly called a karen she's very entitled and has a bad habit of actually screaming for managers over the smallest things i've watched this 35 year old woman scream get me the manager or i will call the cops at a restaurant because the waiter accidentally gave her iced tea instead of sweet tea what are the cops gonna do? I don't want to use the name Karen because it's overused already. So let's call her Emily. Emily and I used to be friends. I can't remember why. She comes off as sweet and caring, but she's the most entitled person I've ever met. Emily also struggles with fertility and is desperate for children. She tried to adopt a child, but because of her mental health problems and unstable lifestyle of hotel hopping, she was denied. She doesn't have a job. She's technically homeless. Her boyfriend is a 21-year-old douchebag, and she tends to hoard animals that all die in unusual circumstances. Her last cat died mysteriously at only two years old and was perfectly healthy. 
I was there when she adopted him and heard the vet state he was healthy. But suddenly he dies and she claims it was heart disease, then claims it was a seizure, then claims it was kidney problems, then says that he somehow flew across the room and purposely aimed into the wall. Yeah, a little suspicious. My other friend Kara did call animal control on her and found she had six rats, five hamsters, one dog, and four cats. She claimed all of them were emotional support animals and that they were medical equipment and taking them away would be against the law. Big yikes. She is not well. A while ago, she was saying how desperate she is to have children and was talking about looking for a surrogate. She wanted someone to carry a child for her for free with a list of demands for the surrogate all for free now all of us but her know that isn't free human incubators isn't a free service and mistreating anyone in that job is a good way to be in a legal battle i listened because well me explaining the truth to her would be like me placing my head in a garbage disposal completely pointless and 100 percent painful i make a comment how one day uterine transplants might become more successful and more common and how great that would be I bring it up because I'm not entirely in love with my uterus. I don't plan on ever having children, and I'm not against the idea of uterine donation. I still cannot find a doctor that would take away my baby-making abilities because I'm too young to make such a decision. I'm 27. I feel like if I wanted to change my mind, I would have before now. Not the point, sorry. I make the joke of me wanting to donate my uterus to someone who needs and deserves it, since I have no plans on using its baby-holding abilities. That's when Emily says, Yeah, then I would have you give me your uterus so I could finally have a child. Now, I thought she was joking. I truly believe this was a joke. It wasn't. Emily and I had a falling out, thank goodness, and I thought we could just part ways quietly. Yeah, she had other plans. She posts all over Facebook and pings me saying I had made a legal agreement to give her my uterus or to be her surrogate. Never once did I say such things. And now she has her friends after me, harassing me in DMs for giving her false hope and mental anguish. Emily's threatening to sue me for my uterus and for causing extra trauma by not following through. I'm just confused and baffled. I'm also curious, how could she afford a lawyer if she can't afford food for her many animals? A lawyer suddenly cheaper than I recall? But also, last time I checked, you can't be sued to give up a body part, can you? Especially if no legal agreement was ever made, right? I'm lucky to have a lawyer family friend. He's agreed to help set me up with a meeting with a colleague of his if this turns serious. I'm doubtful it will, but Emily is definitely having a public meltdown over our friendship ending. Oh, and yeah, I wish this was a fake story. I wish I was lying here. This person is not mentally sound and she's threatened people over the most ridiculous things. This isn't a new behavior for her. In the past, she threatened to call CPS on someone online over a disagreement. She bragged about doxing the person's address to me and boasted about calling CPS on them for spending more time disagreeing with me than watching their child. This person Emily was threatening was a mother of a 14-year-old. It wasn't like she was neglecting attention to an infant or toddler or even a young child. Yeah, listen, maybe I should shouldn't say this but honestly i don't know if emily is entitled or like mentally unstable and i know i'm not in a position to to actually state that but just based on what i'm seeing there that lady is a little bit dodgy and i wouldn't want to go anywhere near her i mean i mean all i can say to uop is knowing that she is actually mental maybe you should have actually said nothing at all while she was venting about i don't know her surrogacy or needing a surrogate or wanting to become a mother. What is going on with her pet situation, by the way? That is actually serious. How is a cat dying after two years just randomly? And how is their means of death changing four or five times, ending up with them throwing themselves into a wall? Like, let's be honest, we all know what's going on there. And the more I speak about this right now, the more I'm realizing how serious that is. Uh, Yeah, like, what is this woman doing? I think either she's going to end up 
getting seriously hurt by herself or in prison. One of the two. And I don't know what's going to happen. But give me an update soon. I don't know. It's kind of weird preying on someone's downfall. I'm not doing that. But I would love to know what happens next with Emily. That's for sure. I mean, hopefully she just gets some help. That's what she really needs. Parents told my brother that he could take my house and I could just live in the camper in the backyard because I'm single and he has a wife and kids. I want everyone here that this is going to be very long. I also really don't care who believes this. It's just so crazy that I don't blame anyone who calls BS. I won't argue about it, but this happened to me. I also really don't care if anyone in my family sees this. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, but I'm also not going to reveal any details that would clue anyone into who I am that doesn't already know me. I'm a single man in my early 30s. I've got a brother who's 29 and he's already got four kids. He had his first at 22 and the second followed a year later, then the third two years after that. And the fourth was born recently just a couple of months ago. His wife, my sister-in-law and I do not get along as she always likes to try and get a rise out of me by acting superior. Then she turns into an extreme self-victimizing drama queen if I retaliate against her in any way. She can cry in an instant and can put on an extremely convincing show to get sympathy from just about anyone. My parents and brother absolutely adore her, even though they know exactly how she really is, but they just don't care. She is very good looking, I'll give her that, but she's so awful that I could never really be attracted to her. She also refuses to get any sort of job, even though she has a college degree and my mother willingly helps with the kids all day. So the finances are entirely dependent on my brother. This also means they can't afford to live anywhere but my parents' house. And privacy is a bit of an issue with all of them under one roof in a three-bedroom house that was built in the 60s. Growing up, my younger brother was also the obvious favorite. We're three years apart in age, but he developed a superiority complex because I was badly punished if I retaliated against his antics in any way back then. It was obvious that my parents cared for him a lot more because he got the lion's share of everything unless people called them out on it, which did happen a fair bit by other members of family. Which is why my parents packed us all up and moved us about 150 miles away from them so they generally only would see us on holidays since it was a three-hour drive. My brother got physically abusive towards me on a number of occasions, flirted relentlessly with my first girlfriend to the point she broke up with me and laughed at any misfortune I had. And my parents just told me to suck it up whenever I was upset about it. I only got equal treatment when my parents wanted to keep up appearances. I admit it was rather funny to see the looks on their faces whenever they had to treat me equally to my brother on birthdays and Christmas because other people were present. We had relatives that were very nosy and loved gossiping drama. So my parents did their best to hide what was really going on and threatened to take all my stuff away if I didn't keep my mouth shut. If anything, it just made my parents celebrate more when I turned 18 and moved out because it meant they no longer had to provide for me. I wasn't even done with high school yet when I moved out, but couch surfing was far better than living with them. I've been low contact ever since leaving home. They didn't even show up for my high school graduation, but I really didn't care. From that point on, I would usually only see my parents and brother on holidays like the rest of the family. The start of the 2020 pandemic was not kind to me. I lost my job and couldn't renew the lease on my condo because my roommate also lost his job and neither of us could afford the place on unemployment money. It was a rented two-bedroom condo that I really loved. As the lease was ending, my roommate left early to move back in with relatives and I had to sell nearly all of my stuff because I was going to be homeless if I didn't downsize to an extreme. I really shouldn't have rented a place that was so expensive, but I liked living the high life until that life wasn't kind to me. And I realized I should have been living somewhere far cheaper so I could have saved more money to fall back on. But I had a plan. I own a truck simply for the fact that I've always loved trucks. So I found a $1,000 camper in good shape and put it on my truck just so I could live out of it for a while. It was supposed to be temporary. 
but I ended up living out of it far longer than I ever thought I originally was hoping to be able to live out of the camper at my parents house where my brother and his family still reside as well But when I asked my parents to let me stay for a while They told me they had a full house and didn't want me there Plus, we hadn't exactly gotten along in the past decade. They said they'd only agree to let me park my camper there if I paid them basically what it would cost to rent an apartment in my area. That was way too much just to park my camper. I was jobless and trying to save as much of my unemployment money as I could till I could find a new job. I may as well be living in an apartment with that rent price they were asking. My parents called my camper an eyesore and told me to take a hike since we couldn't come to an agreement. And my sister-in-law thought it was absolutely hilarious that I had to live in a camper. My brother joined her in pointing at and mocking me while calling me a homeless bum. I parked my truck camper in a store parking lot to sleep on the first night that I had nowhere else to go. I felt scared out of my mind that someone might try to break in. Suffice to say, I didn't sleep well that night. There was nowhere else I could go as any other relatives that owned houses were fairly far away and all my friends were all apartment people. And I was pretty attached to my area as well, so I didn't just want to leave. I'd also had my mail forwarded to a friend's apartment. It was the only way I could still get my mail anymore. Finding a stable place to park was pretty difficult. I went looking around to try and find a job similar to my old one. It took months of living the nomadic camper life. And in that time, I had to deal with a lot. Everything from beggars and drug addicts to people demanding I leave because my camper was an eyesore. At one point, someone who told me to move claimed to be with an HOA. I wasn't even parked on a street with houses. And when I questioned which HOA, they got incredibly belligerent and threatened me. I moved my camper anyway just to avoid the trouble. In order to have a steady supply of electricity, I learned to use a long extension cord to plug in anywhere I could to recharge my camper batteries. This meant sneaking around and plugging it into an outside outlet of a random building while parked on a street. I know that's a crummy thing to do, but I had to keep my batteries charged so my refrigerator would stay cold. I had a small solar power bank for recharging my phone, but I didn't have anything like a generator. And generators are noisy and require fuel anyway, so I did what I had to do. After months of living like that, I finally managed to get a new job. I had to move to the neighboring city to find a job that didn't involve retail. I worked retail while in college, and I promised myself never again. Though I was nearly ready to break that promise. I was still getting unemployment money, but I had no stable place to live while receiving it. And I didn't want to still be jobless when it ran out. Plus, I was bored out of my mind. I had little else to do but read, watch movies on a small portable DVD player, use my phone or laptop, and keep note of where I could park and what local public bathrooms I could use. I kind of envy that the Japanese have public bathhouses. We could really use stuff like that over here. When I finally landed a new job, I practically lived in the back lot of the building by the warehouse in an old employee parking space literally no one else seemed to bother using because they were so far in the back that the area was borderline forgotten. My boss, or the company owner, actually liked this arrangement because I was willingly available to take any shift I could get so long as I had enough sleep. He even let me take the camper off my truck and set it up in one of the spaces so I could drive around without it. Not exactly sure if this was legal, but no one bothered us about it. The entire time I lived back there, I didn't have to deal with many trespassers. There were a few, but the security guards escorted them out. I was pretty much on call almost all the time when they needed me and was working virtually every day of the week. My boss let me plug my camper into the building for power and water, and I paid a small amount of rent by working for free on Sundays when no one else was in the office but the janitor and security guard. Beyond that, I usually had to shower at a friend's apartment or at my local gym as the camper didn't have a shower in it and only a portable toilet. And I didn't want to fill it because emptying it is a nasty chore. So I used other bathrooms as often as I could. 
I had a key to the warehouse and I could go in to use the bathroom there at any hour I was even on a first name basis with the night security guard He's since become one of my closest friends The camper was easy to heat in the winter with a small electric heater Summers were not fun though. The camper didn't have ac So I had to get a used portable air conditioner just to make it bearable I made a lot of overtime pay and hands-on learned some new skills from other employees Eventually midway into this year I landed a better position in the company as a supervisor and started making a better salary than my old job That's when I decided that I wanted a house The scare i'd gotten from losing my condo made me realize that I needed something much more stable for the long term I looked around for something close to my work and just two miles away found a three-bedroom manufactured home on a small property But I managed to get it for ten thousand dollars less than the asking price somehow I used nearly my entire savings for a down payment and got approved for a home loan I finally didn't have to live in a camper anymore There was enough space for me to back my truck in behind the house to take the camper off to set it up in the backyard So I put it there as its own little building just in case I want to use it again When I was fully settled into the house, I was dumb enough to brag about it on my book of faces. My family saw the post, and that's where this stuff really starts. After a few weeks, my parents and brother, along with his family, came to visit, completely unannounced, to have a tour of my home. I didn't even give them my address, so how they found out where I live, I still don't know. None of my friends have fessed up, and no prior family members visited me before that. So I wonder if they stalked me at work and followed me home or something. It really wouldn't surprise me once I opened the door They practically all shoved their way in like rambunctious tourists then just started making themselves at home They all kept poking around and my sister-in-law had this creepy smirk that she was repeatedly flashing at me And it was only later that I figured out why and it made me madder than a bull on steroids that just got stung by a hornet My parents were constantly talking about how i've got so much extra space now And it's too much for someone like me who has no wife or kids Sure, not now, but maybe someday. And my brother kept remarking about how there was more space than our parents' house and that my house was closer to his job too. Red flags all around, I know. Eventually, my brother asked me to speak privately. Everyone else suddenly left the room and piled out onto the front porch. That's what finally made me realize that they'd been planning something. My brother, let's call him Dan for the sake of simplicity, said the house was too much for me alone and I should let him move in with his family because his wife is pregnant with kid number four. And my house is much closer to his job He pointed out that I already have the camper so I could just live in that outside while they live in the main house And i'd like to point out that dan never once spoke of offering rent mind you he's got a good job He also started talking about how there would be changes and even curfews and that I couldn't just walk in at any time without prior notice If it weren't my brother, I think the person I was talking to had lost their mind. But Dan lost his marbles long ago, thanks to our parents treating him like he was the center of the world. I tried to speak, but he kept talking over me as if I had no say in the matter. There was no way in heck I'd rent my house or parts of my house to him. Other people, maybe, just so I could pay the mortgage off more easily, but certainly not him or his nasty wife. I've heard of this exact kind of situation in videos online many times and never once did I think I'd actually live it because I thought it so ludicrous But my parents brother and sister-in-law do all fit the bill for a bunch of narcissistic entitled crazies So I picked up my phone and set it to start recording then just held on to it Dan didn't even seem to care or notice that I'd done this and just sat there with his arms waving around While talking about all the reasons as to why he needed my house Then he went from saying that to acting like it was a done deal and trying to reach out his hand to shake mine That's when I finally showed my backbone and said heck no 
and I said it loud enough that Dan stumbled backwards for a second. I'd rarely ever raise my voice to him on that level because I was punished by our parents whenever I did. But this was my house, not theirs. My spine could be as shiny as it wants here. I stood up and then told him that my house was not up for grabs and acting like I'll let him move in just because they want it won't make it happen. I bought my house for me and it's not my fault he keeps having more kids and has to keep living with our parents because he can't afford to move out. Dan got as physically close to me as he could without actually touching me and said that I didn't deserve the house and that he needed a better place for his family to live. I laughed back in his face and said that was total BS because I worked hard to be able to buy my house. Of course I deserved it. Dan started yelling that I have no wife or kids and I don't need all the space, so I may as well give it to him. I said I'm not giving him anything and he never even offered to pay me rent. If I let him move in, I'd still be covering the entire mortgage on my house without even being able to live in my own home. Then Dan told me that he shouldn't have to pay rent because his family comes first and our parents said I was going to do this and that I will. I yelled as if their word was law or something and told Dan that they did not have the right or power to give my house to him. Then, right on cue, my parents and sister-in-law barged back in through the front door and surrounded me to try and force me to agree. There was a lot of fighting, but to sum it up from this point on, I heard the line, just do it for Dan, way more times than I can remember. In the fight, I told them they all don't have a say in my life or my house and to get out before I called the cops. Sister-in-law screamed the loudest at me about how she was pregnant again and I can't do this to her. I said I did nothing to her. She just assumed that she could take and take from me like I just allow it. I had no obligation to her or her family. Then I called her a stuck up female dog who never had any respect for me. So I don't care what she thinks or how many kids she has. I have no sympathy for her. She won't be living in my house. Well, that made her angry enough to attack me. She got in one good hit on my face and tried to go for more, but my brother held her back, kicking and screaming. She kept demanding he let her go so she could scratch my eyes out. The phone I was holding recorded pretty much everything. So then I held it up and said I was going to call the police if they didn't leave right away. My parents told Dan they were leaving. Then my mother said that I had a week to come to my senses. I told her I wouldn't be and to not come back. Then I told my sister-in-law that my phone recorded everything and if she tries anything, I'll press charges for assault. She screamed at me and then stormed out loudly, crying with her face in her hands. My mother was the last one out of the door and said that I'd better do this for Dan and my sister-in-law. I responded again by telling her that I wouldn't be. And there we go. A long story indeed, as OP warned, but a great story nonetheless. So much to unpack that I don't really know where to begin. Ultimately, I'm just happy that you put your foot down. Maybe finally, if I'm allowed to say that, in your life. And at last, you've told your family where to go, which, uh, funnily enough, is outside of your house. Now, one thing to look out for is that in the intro of this story that I didn't read out, just a little edit at the start, OP said they were going to be releasing a part two. So it sounds to me like this might actually just be the beginning. And there may be a lot more to come in this story. Perhaps, I don't want to guess, but perhaps the family coming back and trying to invade the home once again. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. And if part two does get posted... I'm going to be on that. Don't you lot worry. But as for now, without seeing part two, all I can say is just get as much security in place as you possibly can, my friend. We're talking cameras. We're talking Rottweilers. We're talking maybe 24-7 security guards. I don't know. At the very least, a lock on your door. That would be ideal. Because these guys, they just seem like they're going to saunter in once again and try the same tactic. And they're probably stupid enough to think it's going to work. It obviously won't. But yeah, just 
be aware. I mean, I love that I'm telling this guy to be aware of his own family, but at this point, what else can you do? That is all my advice. Gotta say, ultimately, pretty sad that, you know, your brother was favored so heavily over you and is still favored despite the fact that you are now, what, 29? Like, look, I get it. Sometimes there are golden children. I understand that. But you'd hope that after the age of 30, you're in your early 30s, your brother's 29, that would have stopped by now. What is the reason for that? I have no idea. Interesting familial situation. And I'm very much looking forward to part two. Part two of parents trying to take my house for my brother. They broke my locks to move in while I wasn't home. As I stated in the first half of my post, many will find this unbelievable and long. Yes, I am aware there are similar sounding posts online already. I've seen a number of them now, but it's not like those posters have a monopoly on this sort of stuff happening to them. If anything, I'm surprised this site hasn't been better weaponized against this sort of thing since entitled people should be more afraid of getting outed here. But anyway, I do not blame anyone who calls BS. I would too if I was reading this. However, by reading this and my first post, you'll know just how messed up my parents are, as in my life, they were the root of all evil that spawned my brother into the jerk he is today. And never once have they given me a real reason why. And I kind of fear there isn't one. Some people can't explain why they make choices like child favoritism. So it's all they can do to try and stand by the child they backed, which is exactly what my parents try to do. And I've practically destroyed their lives for it. Not in the legal sense, but more an emotional one. After I kicked my parents, brother and sister-in-law out for trying to force me to hand over my new house to my brother, I immediately went to my social media and told the story to the whole family. It spread pretty fast, but you won't find it now because it all got deleted some time ago and I put my own profile on private. I posted about it because I knew that the first thing my family would do when they got home is try to twist the event to make me the villain. And I was exactly right, but I had about an hour to get started before them. And I had video evidence to back up my story about what they'd done. No, I don't plan on showing the video here, so don't ask. That is a shame, but I get it. Being preemptive works because I got a fair number of family members on my side right away. My parents, brother, and sister-in-law must have been all set to write their own posts, but it was too late. So they didn't even bother trying to lie much. My parents, brother Dan, and sister-in-law had a few fly monkeys supporting them, but not much else. Plenty of others knew how entitled they already were. So what happened was something they all quickly understood and accepted. There was one person in particular that called me. I don't know who they were, but they ranted at me that I was a horrible brother and I needed to make way for a real family man. I just ended the call and blocked the number. This didn't repeat. The week went by and my parents showed up with Dan at my front porch, just like they said they would in the prior ultimatum. They rang my doorbell like crazy and also pounded on the door until I finally answered. I opened it just a crack and they tried to shove their way in again, but I'd installed a couple of latch chains that prevented it and even braced my body against the door for good measure. My father and brother demanded I let them in, but I said I was recording everything on camera and I called the police if they tried to force their way in again. My mother calmed them down and then in her most sickly sweet tone, asked me if I was ready to let my brother move in. I told her and the rest of them to F off and never come back. My mother put on the crocodile tears and asked me why I can't just do this for Dan because he's my beloved brother. I laughed and then bluntly said, I do not love him as a brother because he treated me like trash for years and they only encouraged him to do so. They are terrible parents and he is a terrible brother. Then I told them to leave or I'd be calling the police ASAP. They all left surprisingly easily, apart from my mother's loud crying and the others giving me dirty looks. One could say making them leave was suspiciously easy. I thought the whole mess was over, but I guess I should have taken them more seriously because they had other stupid plans. I came home later that week on Friday evening to find a moving truck and my brother's minivan parked in my driveway. It was Dan and his family there moving stuff in. 
He just waved to me with a poopy and grin when I saw him. I was furious and told him and the rest of the family to stop. But my sister-in-law smugly said to me that like it or not, they were moving in. And then in the most fake way while tilting her head and puckering her lips, she said that it was okay because my mummy allowed it. And I should always listen to what my mummy tells me. I seethed with rage just hearing those words and looking at her smug female dog face. So I locked myself in my truck to call the cops right away. When they realized what I was doing, my sister-in-law started pounding on my window and yelling at me to stop and that I can't do this to her because she and Dan need the house. And she cried, why can't you just do this for Dan? I responded with, screw Dan, it's my dang house, not his. Then she threatened to key the side of my truck unless I stopped calling the police, all of which the 911 operator heard thanks to the window being slightly open. I told my sister-in-law if she damaged my truck i'd sue her and she was smart enough to retreat when the police arrived dan and my sister-in-law with their kids had locked themselves in my house i told the cops what had happened as well as showing them my new driver's license that had my current address on it then when we went to my front door i saw that they changed the lock and the old lock was laying on the porch with the center of it drilled out and the drill they used was lying right next to it with a complete harbor freight drill bit set Could they have been any more stupid leaving evidence out like that? I pointed out the broken lock and drill and then gave the police a rundown on all the events that had happened prior. Well, I guess Dan called our parents over at some point after I arrived home because they showed up while I was talking to the cops. My parents immediately lied and started saying that I'd agreed to rent my house to my brother and his family. I said that was an easily provable lie one way or another. So Dan and my sister-in-law finally came out of my house with some papers in hand. They both looked super smug, like they'd somehow outsmarted me. They'd actually drawn up and printed out a fake rental agreement, but my signature was not on it. There was one, but it looked nothing like my handwriting. I don't think any of them had actually ever seen my signature, so that was incredibly stupid on their part. I told my parents and Dan that that was stupidly blatant fraud, and if the cops investigated, they'd easily figure that out. And I don't think going to jail and court would do them any good. It could even make Dan lose his job, which is his only means of providing for his family. I also said I would get a lawyer and sue for damages if anything of mine was lost, stolen, or broken, and that I'd call CPS too for good measure. Dan went white and looked really scared when I said all that, but my mother got between us and doubled down about how I should just do this for Dan and live in the Dan camper so they can finally have a family home to themselves. I yelled at her that if she thought it was such a good idea, she could do it for Dan herself and let Dan have her house to himself instead. The cops separated my mother from me and I said I wanted them all out right now or our press charges. I stated in a shout about how they drilled out my front door lock to break in. The lease papers were obvious fakes, they badly forged my signature, and I have recorded video of my sister-in-law attacking me. Those are felonies that I could screw over their lives with if I wanted to, and if they didn't leave, that is exactly what I'd do. The only reason they hadn't already was for the sake of Dan's kids. So they have one chance to get the F out. The moment my parents heard that, I think it finally clicked that they could not force me to do it for Dan. My mother surrendered and said she put an end to this. Then she went over to my sister-in-law and spoke with her quietly for a minute while my father spoke to Dan. My sister-in-law instantly started loudly crying and ripping up the fake rental papers into tiny bits and tossing them like confetti only to have an officer tell them to pick up the bits of paper or he'd cite them for littering. Both of the cops at this point had a I don't get paid enough for this look on their faces. Dan had to start telling his kids to load their stuff back into the moving truck. 
The kids were all crying and the eldest was sobbing that he won't get his own room now My sister-in-law and dan gathered their kids up to try and make one last pathetic attempt to guilt me with the sad family routine You know where they all gather together in a sort of group hug while all facing one direction I swear I think they've practiced it before all of the kids had the same pleading look with quivering mouths My sister-in-law kept rubbing her pregnant belly and tilting her head to look like a sad puppy And my brother just made the saddest face he possibly could and said, please don't do this We need to be able to live here But I didn't falter and told them to keep packing all the kids and my sister-in-law turned the crying up to 11 and dan then yelled at me Are you satisfied with yourself? You've denied us a home because you're too selfish to share and help out family I ended up laughing like a maniac and retorting that what he was trying to do was taking not sharing And no amount of crying will make me let his family move in because he's no brother of mine anymore He's just an entitled idiot who thinks he can take whatever he wants from me like when we were kids Dan then started f-bombing me until the cops told him to call it or he'd be in cuffs regardless of if I wanted to press charges He sucked in his lips and looked a mix of afraid and supremely angry I asked the cops if they could stick around until my parents brother and sister-in-law had all left And they said they had no intention of going anywhere until this had been resolved In fact in the next few minutes two cops became four as more drove in for whatever reason That gave my parents some extra incentive to get moving I made dan give me the keys to the new lock that he'd put on my front door Though I got another lock the next day anyway because I didn't know if he had copies of the keys or not He was really reluctant to hand them over then instead of handing them to me He actually threw them down the street and into a storm drain while saying to go and get them myself But one of the cops scolded him for that and made him go and get them He had to go and pull the grate off just to get them and he got pretty dirty in the process When he got the keys back, he just grumbled then slammed them down into my hand I then told them all to leave and never come back My mother said that i'd be disowned for this as if that was some kind of threat to me and I voiced that to them then in an overly sarcastic tone. I said something along the lines of Oh, no That means I won't get to come to any holidays with you guys or I always get treated terribly by you all anyway Because dan has always been your obvious favorite You all treated me so badly when I was growing up that if dan ever needs an organ donor I wouldn't give him anything So do like you always told me to do when I was mistreated by all of you and suck it up My parents were floored after I said all of that and the quartet of cops were looking pretty judgmental at them as well I tell you if you want to put nasty parents like mine on the spot Confront them in front of cops because they'll likely not try anything stupid then My mother just started crying and walking away My father just stood there looking like he wanted to hit me and dan just held his kids in defeat Oh, and my sister-in-law was off having a tantrum on the front lawn soon enough They all formed a line handing out boxes and got their stuff out of my house Nothing had been unpacked yet. So it was all taken out pretty quickly But while doing it my mother kept saying that it wasn't too late and I could still do it for dan several times Each time trying to bargain more and more to try and make me change my mind She said that dan could pay me rent if I let them stay and when that didn't work She said I could move back in with them to let dan rent my house so I wouldn't have to share the building I told her to shut up and keep packing boxes because I don't want Dan or his family around I don't want his money and I certainly don't want to live with him or my parents ever again After the way they treated me when I was a kid making a deal with my parents would be like making a deal with the devil to me My sister-in-law ended up having another tantrum after hearing that and threw a box down Then sat on the ground to have a pity party because she didn't want to go back to sharing a house with my parents And she just sat looking angry and sad until everyone else was finished She didn't even want to get up when it was time to leave They finally got everything out of the house and into the truck So before they left I laid into my parents one last time about all of the stuff they put me through growing up 
And with four cops being right there, they couldn't do much other than stand there and take it for once. I called them out on so many things that happened, and I even pointed out how they couldn't just do something nice for me, like letting me stay over with my camper when I was homeless and trying to get back on my feet, how they let Dan and my sister-in-law ridicule me and call me a bum. Well, who's the bum now? They wanted to kick me out of my own house so Dan could stay in it free of charge, yet when I needed a place to go, they wanted to gouge me for more than I could afford just to park my camper when they knew i was out of the job there were more extremely judgmental stares from the cops when i said all of that so i put my parents on the spot one more time and asked them what i ever did other than being born to deserve being treated so badly because when i finally have a little bit of success in life they want to snatch it away from me for their favorite child since they'd rather i give everything to dan and have nothing for myself I bought my house using the money that I earned. I owed them nothing and I won't be asking anything from them ever again because clearly I would never be anything more than a doormat or a cash cow in their eyes. I got no answers from them. They just stood there looking like fish out of water. So I continued ranting and asked them what in God's name made them think they were such good parents after all of that. My father was beat red, but more from embarrassment than anger this time. And my mother was crying that she was a horrible person. I bluntly agreed that she is a horrible person. They all are, and I bet they'll go to hell for it too. They were trashy people and they all knew it. But if I'd called them out on all of this stuff in private instead of in public, they'd just get mad at me and still act like I'm in the wrong. They just kept up the denial for so long that it's become a part of who they are. My mother buried her face in my father's jacket to cry and my father looked more defeated than i've ever seen him dan and his family avoided me entirely as they finished putting everything back in the moving truck i made sure nothing of mine was stolen not that i'd had a chance to get much furniture yet i was lucky to even have a couch at that time they all got back in their vehicles and my sister-in-law just stood staring at me with malice until my brother finally got her to drive the minivan home And as soon as they were all gone, I got back online again and spilled the beans as to what happened. My parents were too embarrassed to even try and defend their actions this time. And while the family was somewhat split before this incident, it was now a landslide in my favor. Nearly all of the family has sided with me after this incident. And those who haven't simply aren't siding with anybody. No matter how much my parents previously tried the we did it for Dan line, no one listened anymore. So any remaining familial support they had is now gone. Many in the family who I expected wouldn't side with me did. That includes the former flying monkeys. So I guess they finally had enough. Around that time, I offered to host half the family at next Christmas Eve in my new house. My parents were not invited. I wasn't blocked on my brother and sister-in-law's profile, surprisingly. And I saw my sister-in-law had her fourth baby in early November. They are still living with my parents. I'm pretty sure they knew I was watching because my sister-in-law kept making passive aggressive posts every couple of weeks or so about not having enough space while living with my parents, probably to see if she can still guilt me. And I'm sure it's driving my mother and father up the wall because they aren't getting any peace and quiet in their old age with three rowdy obnoxious kids, a mentally unstable sister-in-law, my golden child brother, and a newborn baby in the house all at once. Perhaps they could move into a camper in their own backyard and let Dan take over the house completely. They might get some peace then. Yeah, they could do that for Dan. And there we go. Opie wasn't kidding. A truly fantastic second part to this amazing story. Opie, love it. Fair play. Now, before I even give my comments on what I've just read, look at this on screen right now. Opie has said at the bottom of his second post that there was supposed to be more, but this post got way too long. So are we posting? 
casting a part three later. That's right. This story hasn't even finished yet. It sounds like it has, but apparently there's more to come. And I, for one, I'm definitely going to get into part three as soon as he releases it. As for what I've just read, though, part two, I've got to say, OP, the way you handled this for the first time, calling them out in public, amazing. Look, I get it. You had the police behind you and you probably felt pretty confident to really say what you had on your mind in that spot. But it's a good thing you did because as you said, you've never had that experience before where this sort of confrontation hasn't happened in private. So yeah, I can imagine them looking at you with the police behind you. You just ranting at them, telling them how horrible they are. The police thinking, oh my God, are they really this bad? You saying, yeah, and then just cowering. Like what an image. Imagine that. Four policemen down in front, just abusing his parents in a good way i must say insane my parents brother and sister-in-law showed up to christmas at my house when they knew they were unwelcome i was trying to keep things to two posts but i realized while compiling everything that part two was just too dang long so i've divided it into a part three for those who commented on mass to get cameras i will when i can afford it i'm still in financial recovery from buying a house last year and as far as i know good cameras need a decent computer to record to and i don't have anything more than a three-year-old laptop that runs windows 10. yes i am aware of doorbell cams that'll be the first kind i get for those who kept saying that i should have just gotten my brother and sister-in-law arrested the only reason i didn't was because they are parents their kids need them. And if Dan was arrested, he'd likely lose his job. And without that, his family has no money. Now, my sister-in-law has a baby that's only a few months old right now. Neither of them need to end up in jail. But you don't need jail for revenge. Police can help, yes, but I got payback without filing a police report. Would I be this merciful again? More than likely not. And they know it. I decided to wait on making an account and posting until after the new year, just in case more stuff happened. And it did. As previous readers know, my sister-in-law was making passive-aggressive posts on social media that were obviously directed at me. Especially after she had her fourth baby in November. She was posting the same repetitive nonsense over and over again. She just found semi-clever ways of rewording it. But she pretty much kept regurgitating that she was tired of living with my parents. That there isn't enough space. She needs her own house. Blah, blah, blah. I know, I sound dismissive. But live through what I have with these people. And you'd be ready to sarcastically play tiny violins in front of them too. They're just that bad. Now, since I waited until January to make an account, more happened, just like I thought. I stated before that I'd invited half the family for a Christmas Eve party at my house. And everyone I invited all came. Even though it was a fairly long drive of around three to four hours for them. But they wanted to come and show me their support. I was praised by them a lot for how hard I'd worked to get a house on my own and that they were sorry for everything I'd gone through. I was asked why I didn't just take my camper and drive the three hours back to them instead of living pretty much homeless for so long. And I had to sheepishly admit that I was very attached to living around here and I had my best employment opportunities in this area. My hometown doesn't have a lot of great job opportunities in my field, if any at all. And I wanted to make my own way as much as I could. An answer they overall accepted. We moved on to having a rather nice party. The best I'd been to in years. Some relatives even brought CDs of great Christmas albums. And I have to say, the one my uncle brought of Ray Charles was my favorite. He sings Christmas songs like no one else I've heard. It was a grand and happy time. I felt like for once, I could just forget my past issues and enjoy the moment. But... I wouldn't be writing this if it had stayed that way. About two hours into the party, you know who showed up. My parents, brother, and sister-in-law popped in trying to look all smiles. They didn't even knock, just walked right in my front door like they were meant to be there. I shut off the music and told them to leave immediately. They begged to stay and said they brought gifts. But one of my uncles stood up and yelled at them before I got another chance to speak. 
and he said they don't deserve to be in my home all my life after the trash they tried to pull months earlier and he was backed up by several other relatives mind you this guy is my mother's brother and he used to love her to pieces until he found out about all the stuff that went on between me and my parents my grandparents my mother's parents as old as they are hurriedly got in between us and said to my parents that if they want to make amends with me it's far too soon and they've never been more disappointed in them than they were this past year they'd hidden their favoritism for my brother from prying eyes for a long time but nobody was fooled anymore and they needed to make a serious effort to try and actually treat me like a son if they ever wanted to be in my life again then they turned to dan and my sister-in-law and said they've seen the repetitive nonsense my sister-in-law keeps posting they're tired of it and to just let it go already my house will not become their new home my sister-in-law went back to her old standard of crying and had a pity party about how she should be the one living here and not me she plopped down in a chair to have a tantrum and say it wasn't fair i got this house to myself when i have no family of my own and she has four kids that need more space and she just wanted a better place to live in and feel like a real mum it was petty of me but i loudly pointed out that she sucks as a mother because she lets my mother do most of the parenting while she sits on her butt all day drinking playing on her phone or going out and spending all of dan's money and she has the nerve to complain about it i even joked that i'm surprised her baby doesn't get drunk from her breast milk since she drinks so much booze which i admit went a bit too far as i got some stares and my sister-in-law demanded to know if i was calling her a bad mum i said the evidence speaks for itself and if she wanted to be able to afford to move out of my parents house someday then she needs to put her college degree to some use get a job and learn to save money my mother already does most of the childcare for my brother's kids anyway so she'd have plenty of time after her baby gets a little older my brother's eldest kid who's seven years old ran up to start kicking and screaming at me for yelling at his mum, and he kept at me about how his mum said that i was the bad guy who made her cry and didn't let them live here that's when my brother grabbed his son to pull him away but all the other relatives jumped back in and this sort of turned into a family intervention against my sister-in-law and brother She was crying, her new baby was crying, her kids were crying. Heck, even Dan was very nearly in tears from the verbal lashing he was being assaulted with. He ended up just sitting on the ottoman I keep shoes in by the front door and looking like a complete wreck. He couldn't look anyone in the eye. He couldn't even say two words to me. Not with a whole house filled with angry people ready to judge him if he tried to let out his inner golden child again. If they weren't there to get in his way, I'd bet this would have ended up a repeat of when he tried to order me around to try and take my house months earlier. By this point though, he'd been so thoroughly humiliated that his and my parents' reputation in the family was completely destroyed because the masks were all now off. Soon after, my parents, brother and sister-in-law all left in defeat. The party resumed and we all avoided speaking about what just happened for the rest of the evening. Since most of the adults had been drinking, everyone stayed the night in my house. I even let some of them sleep in the camper so there'd be enough space. I admit, it also makes a good guest house. My relatives all wanted a tour of it earlier as well. And they said they couldn't believe I'd been living in it for around two years. I got a lot of questions about it like what summer and winter was like and so on i was up earlier than everyone else christmas morning and had a fresh pot of coffee and some ibuprofen for those spiked eggnog hangovers a few of them had i was complimented on being a way nicer host than my parents ever were and we all agreed to do this again next christmas after christmas my sister-in-law did finally stop making posts that were obvious digs at me and deleted all the old ones as well 
But shortly after the new year, she more recently made a new post complaining about how she tried to convince my parents to get a camper like I had so it could be set up in the backyard. So then Dan and his family could use the whole house as their family home. Well, a taste of one's own medicine is never fun because my parents turned that idea down. Vehemently, I hear. No one is going to push them out of their own home, let alone their master bedroom. The post was only up for a couple of days before my sister-in-law removed it and she's hardly posted anything since then. She loves to complain, but if a tree falls and no one is around to hear it, can it still complain? My sister-in-law, I guess, has realized there's no point in doing it now when no one hears it anymore. And Dan can't afford to move his family out on his salary alone anytime soon. If they end up expecting another child in the next few years, I won't be surprised. Things have mellowed down for me since then, and I've even invited friends over for a poker night. I suck at poker because I can never remember a dang thing about it, but so what? We get to drink beer and eat junk food while being merry idiots. We all loaded up on whoppers from Burger King and just had at it the best way four grown men can when they just want to have a good, unadulterated time and get drunk. I think maybe around summer, I'll look into possibly dating someone. I'm not exactly getting younger here. Fingers crossed that goes well. My camper just sits idle in my yard now. And I admit, there were some days I went out there just to spend time in it. I did live in it for two years. It's like my second home. And maybe one day I'll actually get to use it for camping like it was meant to be. I've never been camping. My parents considered it a waste of time. So it would be a completely new experience for me. This pretty much marks the end of what happened. My parents, brother and sister-in-law have all been staying very clear of me. In fact, they seem to have gone back to acting like I don't exist, like they did before I bought a house. Not like that bothers me at all. It's better that way. But they'll inevitably come back in some way. I know they will. I just wonder what kind of stupid thing they'll do next. If anything notable like all this ever happens again, I'll make another post if this account is still active. And there we go then. That is the conclusion of one of the most compelling entitled parent stories that I've seen on this subreddit in a long time. That was great from start to end. And I actually feel like one day I'll make it into an episode of its own. Gotta say, OP, fair play to you. Fair play to your extended family. You absolutely cannot pick who you're born to. But the fact is, you seem to have now come through your entire adolescence, your youth, and just survived, if anything. And now, Finally, your extended family have actually realized the way these people who are our very close family Siblings even are parts of this, you know daughters parents, etc Are actually just horrible people and we'd be a lot better off spending Christmas Day without them And that is what you did and it was great. What a surprise All I will say though is the ending is a little bit ominous because Opie says they'll inevitably come back in some way I know they will I'll make another post if that happens. So maybe one day we'll have part four honestly for your sake, OP, I hope not. For my sake and us watching, you know, give us some more entertainment. But no, seriously, oh, amazing to have got through all of this. Fair play to you, OP. And genuinely, I really hope that that is the end of their involvement. Well, their negative involvement, let's just say that, in your life. My parents and Dan were back sooner than I thought, and they wanted money this time. This will not surprise some people who commented on my previous posts, because my parents did some of the exact things they said they would which was wanting either my money or my signature. I did expect the classic lines of narcissists saying that I owed them or give me some kind of socialist BS of sharing the wealth, but that was just my imagination running wild. The ensuing situation was somewhat similar to that, but much more tame, I guess you could say. They seemed to know not to push me too far now and were mostly aiming for pity. It began when my parents recently got in touch with me through social media and asked for a meeting in a public place of my choosing. It just screamed trap. But I wasn't afraid. 
In fact, I was amused. They know I'm not to be screwed with anymore, so I could only wonder what they wanted this time. I picked a local restaurant that may have a name of an olive and a garden in it, and we met up there. Dan was with them, but he kept his mouth shut most of the time. We had awkward greetings, ordered some drinks, and then cut to the chase. My parents begged me to help Dan get his own apartment so he could finally move out. Apparently, Dan's credit isn't so great. Gee, I wonder why. Could it be his wife regularly spends him into a hole? Well, they asked that I help by either supplying some capital or by co-signing for the apartment and helping to pay the rent for it. I simply said no to both. That's when Dan spoke up in anger and yelled at me that I have so much and I don't have a family to support like he does. He needed my help and I should be sparing the money for his family since I don't have one myself. I laughed and asked where they were when I needed their help. Oh, that's right. They were pointing and laughing at me for being homeless. Or should we just go further back to my childhood? I'd love to delve into that with plenty of ears to listen in around us. My mother grabbed my hand and begged me not to speak of any of it. My father and Dan both just looked away and said nothing. I'm pretty sure they wanted to say something like they used to at me, but they held their tongues. I asked them if they thought I was rich or something, and their looks said it all. And when I told them I don't have that kind of money, they looked at me like deer in headlights. I broke it down about how much I'd managed to save for the down payment on my house and the way I had to live and work in order to save that much so fast. And then how I spent nearly all of it on the down payment of my house. I'm still in financial recovery. I did have monthly income to spare, yes, but most of it was going right into my savings. I asked Dan what his yearly salary was, and when he told me, I pointed out that it was actually a bit higher than mine. I then loosely broke things down in rough math in front of my parents on how about 70% of my income goes to my mortgage, insurance, gasoline, internet, phone, food, and other bills, and then there's maybe 30% of that left at most that I can put into savings, and I need that money saved to get back on my feet in time, and I have to make sure I have savings to fall back on. My truck is from the 90s. If it were to break down, I'd need money to either fix or replace it. And there's other things one would need a rainy day fund for, like home repair, doctors, taxes, lawyers, or anything in general you'd need quick cash for when it's a sudden, unexpected expense. So, as you can see, I just can't spare money for Dan, and I also refuse to co-sign for anything as that would leave me on the hook for any bill that Dan couldn't or wouldn't pay. Then I pointed out that that's likely why my parents didn't co-sign for Dan's apartment themselves long ago, and my mother just started crying again. I was pretty much one step ahead of them in all of this. I'm not an ATM, and I'm not a fool, and I stated that right to their faces. I expected my father to become angry with me like he always does, but this time he just, well, didn't. I've known this man to explode on me for the slightest provocation of not enabling my brother all of my life. But this time he just didn't do that. There wasn't even a sneer on his face. The only way I could describe the look he had was regret and defeat. Maybe regret for being a trashy parent. Or maybe regret because he can't bully me around anymore. Who knows? Either way, my parents couldn't really argue with me, and I wasn't about to give them any money. Dan just got up and said this was all just a waste of their time and that he was leaving. My mother started apologizing for him, but Dan still wanted to leave. Then, just to kill with kindness, I offered to buy them a round of unlimited soup and salad while we were all there. I guess they couldn't turn down free food since we hadn't ordered anything but drinks yet, and they stayed. I went out of my way to talk about anything other than money. Dan remained quiet and was either eating his food or looking at his phone, but my parents just awkwardly talked with me. They brought up that they've recently joined a local Christian church, and they'd already been going for the last two weeks. I said, 
good for them. And they, of course, started trying to advertise that they'd like me to go too. I simply said no thanks, and they were smart enough not to push further. When the meal was finished, Dan left a $10 on the table for the tip and walked off without saying another word to me or anyone. My mother just excused his behavior, and we all parted ways. That was about it. Not nearly as much drama as I thought there'd be, but this is still far better than how things used to be with my parents and brother. As for my sister-in-law, well, she's been regularly complaining online about my parents. She really doesn't seem to like the fact that she's not queen bee of their house. And I think her toxic attitude is finally getting to them. Why else would they be so desperate to come crawling back to me? My sister-in-law actually wants my parents to move into a camper like I had to do in order to make space in the house. And she's being told no every time. She does seem to have a following of Karen-minded people like her though. Because here and there, I get messaged by someone I don't know that's intent on raging at me for not giving up my house for my sister-in-law. I don't bother to argue with these people anymore. I just block and move on. Though there was one persistent troll who had my phone number and they call from a different number every time. Yes, it seems to be the same person who called me to say that I need to make way for a real family man like Dan. But I couldn't care less. The calls, though, seem to have slowed down, if not maybe stopped. I made it clear to this person that they were only amusing me by keeping this up for so long. The last time they called was around the beginning of the month, and it's been silence from them since then. And there we go. I feel like this story is finally now starting to calm down a little bit as your parents and Dan, and maybe even your sister-in-law as well, OP, are finally starting to understand that you are not to be messed with after all these years and realizing how much bad stuff they put you through and how terribly they treated you for the past couple of decades. It seems like right now, you're the one that's kind of controlling them. As you said in this post yourself, you are now one step ahead of them, which is just great to see because there was a limit, wasn't there? There was a limit. I didn't want to see you getting mugged around, you know, bullied like this for your entire life. And now you're just absolutely destroying them. It's great to see. I've got to say your strength of character now, OP. Well, we can see it's pretty amazing, but it must be just unbelievable. Once again, guys, if you haven't seen the previous three parts, go and watch them all. I'm very tempted to make them into one long episode because this story is just a brilliant one from start to end. And let's be honest, I kind of hope that it hasn't ended yet and there's more incoming. Not to the detriment of OP, but just for our enjoyment as as an audience. I think that's okay to say. Now for our next entitled parent story. I just wanted to be a kid. My mum's immigrant guilt ruined my childhood. My mum and I immigrated to the US in 1997. She met my stepdad through an international dating service. My life in America was never hard, so to speak. My mum always told me and my sister growing up though that times were tough. As a kid, I never knew what that meant. My childhood was filled with the word no. As a kid, you're gonna want toys and to go do things with friends. Mum always said no. And if I asked my stepdad, all he would say was, go ask your mama, which always led to a no. Now I'll say this, I was never starved. I was given what I needed growing up, but it was always bottom of the barrel. I remember asking my mum for a pair of Nikes once, and I really mean once. They were $65, and my mum looked at me and said, you're so greedy. You're so ungrateful for what you have. Your family back home could never afford nice shoes like that. Don't ever ask me for shoes like that again. Until I got my first job, I wore Walmart and Kmart. My mum had it drilled into my head that me asking for things that any kid would ask for was wrong. That the family back home had it so bad that I would be doing them an injustice for having clothes or toys or video games when they couldn't. A side note that is important. When I came to America initially, my mum and stepdad did not want me to start school a year late. So I brain dumped Spanish and learned English. 
It was not until last year, 2022, that I really started taking initiative to learn Spanish. Also, a side note about my parents. They have separate bank accounts and my stepdad claims that his money is his and my mum's money is hers. This will become relevant. Also, my mum would never pay for a ticket for me to visit our home country because she said it was too expensive and that I didn't speak Spanish anyway. I got to the point to where I was very fluent in conversational Spanish. My original plan was to surprise my mum. I practiced by getting in touch with family members back in our home country. I was talking to one of my cousins and I asked her how her day was. She said it was okay, but she was waiting for the wire from my mum. At first, I thought that was some sort of slang that I was not familiar with, so I asked her to clarify what she meant. She then tells me that she was waiting for my mum to send $800 down to them and that they were waiting at a Western Union for her money gram to come in. At first, I think something's wrong and I offer to help. My cousin says, no, your mum does this every month. I asked again if something was wrong. My cousin said no. So then I asked, how long has my mum been doing this? And she said, since 1999. I asked her if it's always $800. My cousin explains that every month is a little different, but it's always been at least $600 a month. I said, all right, and I called my mum. I told her that our cousin told me about the money that she's been sending down there every month since 1999. She said, yeah, it's for your grandmother's medicines. But I called her out. No, it's not. You send them money because you feel guilty about living in America and that they can't. So you send them money every month and they spend it on the same things you've told me I wasn't allowed to have because I was greedy. I told her that during that conversation, I asked my cousin what type of clothes and shoes they wear. They said all the name brands that I was never allowed to look at. They took vacations on my mum's dime to Brazil, Peru, and Puerto Rico while I missed every single school field trip that required money. I got a job at 14 so I could help with groceries and buy my own clothes because I felt that I was costing my mum too much money. I explained that according to them, she would send at least $600 a month down there. That would mean that she has sent over $170,000. I told her she could have helped me and my sister get through college, but instead we had to take the student loan route. I asked her this question. Is the reason you never bought me and my sister tickets to go and visit because you didn't want us to see the truth? Her reply, I brought you to America. You had it better than all of them. You're just ungrateful. I said, no, I just don't feel guilty about being here. If they really wanted to come here, they should have used the $170,000 that you sent them. If you've made it this far, you might be wondering where my stepdad is in all of this. His belief is, if the conversation is about money that is not his, then it's not his problem. Wow, a very smart man right there. It was never about the clothes or the shoes. I just felt so betrayed because I wanted to experience what other kids around me experienced. Not everything, but some things. As a kid, I was made to feel terrible for wanting anything because I supposedly had it better. I handed my mum my paychecks for years, thinking times were just too tough just to find out that I had nothing to feel guilty about. I feel like my childhood was taken away from me because I wanted all the things a normal kid asked for. Wow, super interesting story there. I'll be honest, halfway through reading that, I wasn't quite sure what I was thinking. I kind of felt as if op was quite spoiled and hadn't realized it yet but then as i continued to read i realized exactly what was going on and the fact that op's thoughts were completely justified and in truth yeah you're right your childhood was kind of stripped away from you and you were made to feel emotions that you really shouldn't have felt you know guilt remorse probably just because of your mother what i'll never understand is someone that favors their extended family over their literal children i just don't really get that and what is the point there like why are you sending so much money 
money over to your family i would get it if you had that money and were spending it you know on lots of different things as in if you had a massive income stream an amazing job and you were like okay yeah i have some spare money to send to my extended family after treating my kids to a great life but the fact of the matter is you are forcing not forcing but you know pretty much encouraging your 14 year old daughter to work taking some of her money her paycheck and then sending it to your extended family and telling her your child that is that she can never demand nice things when you're sending money to your extended family in the knowledge that they're buying nice things that i just don't get super interesting one it's very original i don't think i've ever come across a woman or an entitled woman like this i don't even want to say entitled because it doesn't necessarily strike me as entitled it's just a really interesting mindset i've also got to take back what i said about your stepdad right he definitely should not have let this slide i presume he knew what was going on and maybe that's the reason why i was like yeah okay if you're sending over that much money to your extended family we're having separate bank accounts I'm not getting involved in that because let's be honest after tax sending almost a thousand dollars per per month back to your family is actually an incredibly large amount of money and there's no wonder that your own kids were having to deal with that lack of money in america because you're sending so much back home you weren't allowed to go on field trips you weren't allowed to even look at brand items that is just not a nice childhood and what i really like is the fact that you openly admitted that it wasn't about owning them themselves it wasn't about having that pair of shoes necessarily it was a fact that you literally asked once and would just said no to and that was that like every other kid i know you like you don't have to have the nike shoes but if everyone else, every other child has a pair of nike shoes and you're like any danger mum? can i get them for a, for a birthday present or something and she says no you need to realize how lucky you are while sending that much money back home that's not very good parenting right there entitled mum steals my entire vegetable garden we have a not so small vegetable garden in the backyard of my family's house me and my mum are the gardeners and we grow a bunch of zucchini snap peas herbs broccoli carrots tomatoes and even grapes with the occasional other vegetables radishes bell peppers etc one day i hear something outside my window which is right above the largest planter box in our garden i look outside and see two kids from the neighborhood picking vegetables from the planter box i run out and see the two of them have their arms full of zucchini and carrots and even some tomatoes i ask what on earth they're doing and they said we live in the neighborhood i told them that those are our vegetables and they can't take them but they just said it's our neighborhood too we can have them if we want and they took off before i could stop them literally vaulting over the small fence that separates our side of the yard from the neighbors different neighbors not the ones that were stealing by the way a few days later i heard something outside my window again and i look out and see the kid's mum loading a basket with vegetables from the planter i again rush out and see that her and her kids are loading baskets with everything they could grab i watched as the mum grabbed a handful of the chives i've been growing and ripped them out roots and all my mum must have heard me run out because she came out as well she yelled asking what they thought they were doing and the kids just kept picking vegetables while the mum just turned annoyed it's everyone's neighborhood and we need the food she said still picking from the garden and desecrating my prized chives my mum told her that if she had just asked we would have given them some and even if it is everyone's neighborhood it's our garden she just huffed and left with her kids and there wasn't anything that we could do our garden was damaged beyond repair our zucchini plants were torn to bits and the peas and tomatoes were trampled and shredded and our grape bush that we'd had for years was broken at the base but one of the kids had stepped on it there were no fresh vegetables that year and my mum couldn't make her chocolate chip zucchini bread 
A few days later, we installed a lock on the backyard fence and the neighbors came banging on our door, mad that we installed a lock preventing them from getting into our garden. My mom just told them to go away and that if she saw them in our garden again, she would call the cops. We thankfully never saw them again and our garden is happy now and we managed to bring the grapes back to life. A little while ago, we planted some blueberry bushes in our front yard. Someone keeps stealing them and half the blueberries are gone each season. We let the kids in the neighborhood eat them, but they only take maybe like eight to 10 each a day on weekends or during the summer. There are 10 bushes in total, about 100 to 150 blueberries each. Hmm, I wonder who's taking 500 blueberries every year. Hmm. We haven't caught them yet, but everyone knows. Yeah, I think logic has completely gone out the window here. Realistically, I think they could have gotten away with stealing, you know, the occasional little bit of veg. Maybe one or two things. Maybe a couple of berries. But not literally everything. Uh, That's so obvious. Are you dumb? It's everyone's neighborhood and we need the food. Therefore, I'm allowed to steal it. Where is the logic? Poker night pickpocket. Let's set the scene. I have about four really good friends who in turn have a small handful of friends themselves, all of whom love online poker. On occasion, we've been known to play together using Plato and usually I rule. I love poker. It's the closest thing I get to normal human interaction that doesn't take place in my work office. One particularly spirited game, somebody suggested we get together for a normal poker night since we all live in the same city just scattered about. I didn't really want that as I can really be myself in online chats, but I'm very close off in person, more so when there's a lot of people. But we agreed that whoever won the night that night would decide if we did an in-person group game. And I lost. Fair is fair. I agreed to go, despite not really wanting to, since we laid down some ground rules. One, no drinking. We don't need anyone getting salty over losing in person. Two, no children. Kids give me really bad anxiety. And three, only bring cash to the table that you're comfortable losing. The rules seem good. I was happy, even if I didn't want to go. Poker night shows up and I go. And three people brought their kids. I tried to point out that it's in the rules, but the people of the group agreed in that moment that because getting a babysitter would have been too much of a hassle, the kids could just play in the living room while we were in the dining room. I didn't like the agreement, but I didn't want to bail on my friends. I went to put my bag in the front hall closet and to keep me from trying to check my account balance so I wouldn't try to bring more money to the table, I put my phone and my wallet in my backpack. The night was okay. One by one, people lost their shirts, metaphorically, and when they were tapped, they left for the night. I at least managed to stay in the game a while, but when my turn came, I went to check my phone for texts and found my backpack open in the hall closet and on the floor, my wallet had been emptied of all cash. My credit card was gone as well and my phone was nowhere to be seen. I didn't want to accuse anyone of anything, so I had my friend call it and at first it rang, but nobody heard it. After that, every time it rang, it went straight to voicemail, meaning somebody turned it off. That night when I got home, I checked Google Maps to see where my phone was last seen, and I saw a trail that led to a house on the other side of town. I went to the house and knocked on the door, and to my surprise, one of the people who had brought their kid over to poker night stood there. She seemed surprised to see me, so I asked her if she'd picked up an extra phone by accident at the party. I didn't want to make her think I was accusing her of anything. Now, she said that she hadn't, and that on its own didn't sit right with me so i told her that my phone had last been pinned to be at her house because of the gps on it she started getting aggressive and told me she wouldn't be harassed and slammed the door in my face i sat in my car for a moment and tried to debate what to do next when a cop car pulled up and told me that i was trespassing and being accused of harassment i couldn't believe this i told the officer but he didn't seem remotely faced and told me that if i had a complaint i can file a report so i did 
That same day, I went to the police station with my laptop and showed them the proof of where my phone was last pinged, about seeing that woman and her kid at poker night and about my missing credit card. I was told that it would be taken into review, but the very next day, I was emailed to go and get my phone and credit card at the police station, but all the cash in my wallet was gone. It turns out the entitled kid that had stolen my stuff had started bragging to his friends about how he got away with stealing a bunch of stuff from the party including my phone. Luckily, another kid had a spine and told his parents, who went to go and confront the mother as the other officers were showing up to investigate. You know what? That's really quite sad, isn't it? Something that should have been such a fun night, you know, playing poker with your pals in real life. Something that you should be able to enjoy, right? But no, ruined. What I would love to know is how much this woman actually knew about what her kid did and what they stole. Because as you say, and I'm inclined to agree, like the fact that she was like, don't harass me, get away. It's a little bit fishy, I will say. And realistically, the only reason why this came out is because the kid was bragging to his friends and other parents or something about it. If they hadn't done that, then this mum probably would have just kept up the act and said, I've got no idea. You're not allowed in my house, etc. What is she doing? Has she set her kid up to go and steal things at this poker night? I have no idea, but it's very, very snaky. That's for sure. Hopefully there are repercussions because if you could find some sort of evidence that said that the mum explicitly told her kid to do this, then it wouldn't really be the kid's fault anymore and the mum would actually probably face some charges. And that's what we all want at the end of the day. There's a difference between overheated and feverish, you know. Just had a kind of funny experience with a front desk guy at my gym who was operating way out of his depth. Since the New Year swarm is still all up in my gym at the moment, I've been getting up very early and going in around 4.30. I can deal with needing toothpicks to keep my eyes open if it means I don't need to queue for a bench. Something that's relative to the story. My gym is part of a chain and a separate location wound up getting into some trouble because a bunch of people going there all caught the plague. Corporate came down with a decree for all locations. Scan the membership, check the temp on your forehead before being allowed entry. So I show up at 4.30, stow my stuff and do the first half of of my workout. It's a little bit of cardio, a lot of bit of strength. I don't know if this is the case with everybody, but after 45 minutes of kicking my own butt, I'm feeling a little bit warmer than I usually am. Typically also jonesing for some sweet, sweet nicotine. Now vaping indoors is frowned upon and it's cold outside, what with it being January in New England. Two birds with one stone. I grab my vape and my phone and walk around outside for a little bit without a coat. I wind up chilling out real quick and decide I don't need much more nicotine. So I scurry inside and there's a new face behind the desk. A younger looking dude I've never seen before. I show him the vape and explain that I was just getting some air. And he says, I still need to scan your card and check your temp. Well, no point crabbing at the kid over corporate policy. So I let him scan my card and then he uses the thermometer and says I'm not allowed to enter the gym. I'm running a fever. Dude, you really think I just worked up a sweat somehow in the freezing cold? I didn't show up with a gym bag, never mind a jacket. I don't make policy, sir. I just enforce it. I'm going to need you to leave. Uh, sure. Well, can you have someone grab my stuff from my locker? I guess I'll shower at home. It's locker two. Sir, you need to vacate the premises immediately. You're at risk of infecting other guests. There's a difference between overheated and feverish. I didn't have a fever when I came in an hour ago. Then I did a bunch of stuff that made me sweat. Pretty sure that's going to increase my body temperature. How about you call a manager over or have someone grab my stuff from my locker? Sir, you need to exit the building immediately. You're at risk of infecting other guests. You can repeat yourself as many times as you like, man, but I'm not going home without my stuff. Now, would you like to call a manager over or should I call the police and have them explain this to you? It was at this point that he put a finger to his earpiece and summoned building security. Right around the same time, the woman who let me in the first time came out of the bathroom with a what the actual 
actual look on her face. She gives me a dazzling customer service smile. What seems to be the problem? We start talking at the same time. This man is insane. And- she cuts us both off, points at me. You first. The guy scanned my card and says I can't get my stuff because my temperature is too high. She gives me a curious look. Your tent was fine when you came in earlier. What ha- Oh, you stepped out, didn't you? Sure did. Guess I didn't cool down long enough. She waved me through and said I'm all set, just as the large security dude was coming down the stairs to presumably eject me. I didn't hear what went on between the dude who tried to give me the boot and her, but I do know the security dude took over the desk so they could have a discussion in private. After my swim and shower, I thanked her for letting me back in, and she apologized on the guy's behalf. Apparently, she had to run to the bathroom right quick and grabbed a locker room attendant to cover the front desk for her. He was the only male attendant in so early, couldn't leave the desk, and he didn't think there was anyone else who could open the lockers without knowing the code. So he felt entitled to just make me leave without my stuff because he didn't know what else to do and knew the manager wasn't available because she was in the bathroom. Yeah, see, this one is just dumb because surely there should be some way of knowing if somebody is already checked in and has already been tested. Like you're allowed to leave the gym during your workout. If you're working out properly, let's be realistic, you would have increased your body temperature naturally probably above the threshold of having a fever as well another thing i don't really get though is like say what if you wanted to go to the gym and do weights but you lived a couple of miles away and you're like you know what i'll jog there you're gonna get there you're gonna be overheating or you're gonna be hotter anyway because of running and then they're gonna be like no you might have a fever i get it you need to be careful in these times however I don't know if this is the best method. As for this guy, yeah, I mean, this is just stupid. All he had to do was use his common sense. But common sense, clearly, is not that common anymore. Maybe it never was. Maybe it never was. Entitled aunt and her Christian songs. I want to open this off with a statement that I have nothing against people of religious faith. I understand that our ideals do not align and I respect that. Now with that out of the way, I want to tell you all about an unpleasant trait my aunt has that bothers not just me, but also my neighbors. My aunt has recently been resurfacing her faith into the Lord. She is a Roman Catholic. She recently hit a rough patch in her life and has found solace again in religion. And she won't hesitate to let you know. She'd tell you about how she cries every time in work how she'd always somehow work her faith into the most absurd of topics. We generally seem to get along, aside from one altercation where she expressed disgust towards my sexuality. But other than that, she treats me well and at the end respects me as a person. Well, respects in the sense that she at least has the decency to hide her distaste. She is generally a very nice person and has little to no beef with anyone in her life, but is except for how she chooses to continue her faith. Aside from the aforementioned constant mentioning, another way she'll let you know is by playing loud variations of praise and worship hill songs. She'd play these songs even in the dead of night where everyone would normally be asleep. She'd have Christian rock in the background playing. Granted, I don't fully understand why she does this, but I also know that you really shouldn't do this when almost everyone in the neighborhood unanimously agrees that you should maybe tone it down a bit. Once I asked her if she could, but she got a bit touchy and asked me if I even understood God at all. The point is I don't, but it's irritating having the same old song over and over again. It also doesn't help that it wasn't exactly the genre that I was into. I once turned down her music and she turned a meaningful argument into a rant about how I don't appreciate the things she does for me. My parents are practically non-existent anymore. We've been living with her since their falling out. Yes, she does provide for the house. I also do try to chip in with the work regularly and carry mine and my sister's weight every now and then. But back to the music thing. We'd be kept awake each night with thank you, Lord, and variations of such. And if that's not the case, when I do schoolwork at home, it was hard for me to focus. 
She wouldn't turn it down not out of spite But she really legitimately just didn't want to I want to set up an intervention with her and my grandparents soon to get this thing out of the way It's also probably worth mentioning that we'd never gotten a single noise complaint ever Just slightly annoyed neighbors irritably knocking on our door I'm not sure she's that nice, but I digress. Yeah, this one is actually just crazy. I'm sorry. I don't really care if you're religious or you're not, how you practice, what your beliefs are. Like, it's actually so unimportant to me. I couldn't care less. You do what makes you happy and what you believe in. That's absolutely fine. However, when it starts impacting other people to this extent and you can't turn your music down in the middle of the night, then that is way too far. And it's got nothing to do with religion. I'm sorry. That's just you being a bar. Everyone has a right to their belief. Don't get me wrong. But if that belief then intrudes on everyone else and annoys everyone, then that's a little bit too far. I'm sorry. And also, like, I don't know too much about what religion is this again? Roman Catholicism. But surely there are bits in the Bible or, you know, parts of this woman's religion that she practices and believes in that say that you have to be kind or treat other people well or just you can't play Christian rock music in the middle of the night. That's got to be in there somewhere. Like if there are some commandments, number nine, you can't play bad music in the middle of the night. I reckon it's in there. And quite frankly, you can't tell me otherwise. So there we go. I'm the customer. So you have to date me. This is another story from the world of customer service and Burger King. Our characters are myself, my co-worker who I'll call Barbie and the villain of this piece Jack. Now, let me start by saying I'm fine with people who can break the script on customer service on either side, and I'm all for looking for love wherever you want. But know that when she says no, she means it. Also, this guy was so creepy, he'd give online incels a run for their money. So I was in charge of babysitting the newbies for the day, as we just had a fresh cop of them whisk in. The rate of retention was low, and I was perhaps the one guy who worked on all areas at some point, so I had to train everyone. One newbie was Barbie. She was 16, and as much of a Barbie girl as you can get, complete with the shiny blonde hair and bubbly personality. She was on the tilt to my right, and in comes Jack. She is busy taking his order, when all of a sudden, he decides to ask her for her number. Now, I'm sure that she's used to it, but she brushed it off and just said, Sorry, I'm seeing someone. So, would you like your meal large? Nah, I give large. I don't buy it, Jack said, as if he could impress her with his vulgarity. Okay, so any sides, she asked. She wasn't going to break from the script purely out of discomfort, I think. At this point, I was finished with my customer and turned my attention on this guy. Depends. Can I have you as my side? I'd love to make a meal out of you, Jack told her. The sheer cringe was uncomfortable for all of us except him. Do you need me to step in? I asked her. I'm okay, but can you stay near? She asked. No worries, I said. Is this your boyfriend? Jack asked. No, but you're making me feel uncomfortable. You're like 10 years older than me and you're creeping on me, she told him. I think that she was hoping he would just realize what he was doing and give up. No such luck. Honey, I'm your customer. This is part of customer service. So just give me your number and my order and I'll come by later to pick you up, he replied. The sheer entitled attitude towards her was starting to annoy me and her. Sir, I'm just going to be blunt with you. I'm not going to allow her to deal with you any further. You're going to either finish your order with me and it will be a takeaway or you can leave now, I said. Barbie quickly took a step back from the till and let me take her place. Hey, that's not cool. We're both guys here. No blocking me, man, Jack exclaimed. He was actually angry because I wouldn't let him hit on her. I told Barbie to go into the kitchen and grab a drink of water or something while I dealt with him. I honestly don't care if you think because we're both guys, you're entitled to make my front counter team uncomfortable. You have a right to order food from here for now. If you continue with this behavior, I'll simply have you leave, I told him. I was hoping that my stern voice was enough to get him to focus. 
it was not So this guy continues with his order for a moment before redirecting his attention to barbie who had just popped her head out of the kitchen to see if she was in the clear and he clicked on immediately when he noticed her why can't you just take my order and give me your number all i want to do is give you some he shouted at her she immediately fled as the manager on shift came out of the dry store after hearing the commotion i immediately signaled them to call the security staff for the shopping center before turning back to the customer sir i'm going to have to ask you to leave now as i don't feel comfortable with you even being in the same place as my colleague now please leave i'm going to cancel everything off your order and you won't be served any further by any colleague here i informed him i'm not leaving until i get her number do you even know who i am he said as if knowing who he was would change my opinion on him no but you're not harassing my colleague for her number so you can act like a big man you look closer to my age than hers and so you should know that acting like this is inappropriate i have no problems with a guy asking a girl for her number but when she says no it means no i explained to him since when when a says no you simply pay her more money it's the same here when she says no you keep asking until she says yes he replied as if this means he's in the right all of a sudden a moment later security walked in the manager walked out to point out the customer who was still irate because he couldn't get a girl's number i'd already cancelled his order on the tills but he was still refusing to leave until he got her number security just walked behind him and tapped him on the shoulder sir you'll have to come with us the security guard said but she hasn't given me her number yet he told them and she won't now please leave i told him with this he finally admitted defeat and skulked away i don't know what made him think that he was entitled to her but i'm just glad that she was protected properly you can ask a girl out but you can't harass her if she says no when barbie left that day she was driven home by one of the female members of staff who finished at the same time She actually came back as well and I made sure that she was okay to keep working on the tills before I put her back on them that day I might call her barbie, but she was a boss barbie if anything good on her for not letting him shake her I'm a single bachelor myself and I understand that flirting is okay So long as you don't act like an entitled idiot and mistreat someone who isn't interested Also as a rule of thumb when you're over 25 Don't even bother hitting on a girl who is 16 and actually looks younger due to her baby face That's just creepy. My rule of thumb with age range is normally six years younger to six years higher. If you have a different one, that's fine, but don't be that creepy. I don't know what people's opinions are on sexual harassment on here, but I hope that you all appreciate that you should never act like this to anyone ever. No one is entitled to date anyone. It's a privilege to have a partner in love and life, no matter how long it lasts. I mean, just what a start to the episode. What goes through someone's mind? I'm the customer, you have to date me. I'm not taking no for an answer. And that's without even getting into the fact that this person, this creep, is probably about 10 years older than this poor girl. Let's just, oh, it's disgusting, it really is. Not just the fact that you're so persistent and just harassing someone, but the fact they're also 10 years younger than you. It's disgusting. Can I just say, first of all, fair play to you, OP, for standing up for your co-worker but the main thing i need to say is this girl is actually amazing if you're a 16 year old doing your job and you're put in this position an older man who's probably let's be honest quite i don't know intimidating or just downright weird and creepy that's for sure and you can just calm down and act like you did and say no and carry on being a great professional in the situation that is actually elite and i really hope that she not only gets the job continues to work there but also you know moves up through the ranks as quickly as possible because she has a bright future that's for sure entitled mother tried to steal my tablet so i went from zero to 100 to make her back off 
First time poster here and i'm still in awe about the audacity of some people I've read about entitled people but outside of my school I've never been in contact with any of them long enough to deal with them. That was until recently I am a 33 year old man and i'm an ela teacher based in china for the last three and a half years First a little bit of information before I get to the story There's a bit of a pay gap between foreign and chinese teachers This is a well-known fact But only the most opportunistic people like to capitalize on it from time to time if you're not careful It could be anything from charging more at stands to on the rarest of rare occasions Guilting us into complying Trust me, it's happened and those select few people are not apologetic about it. Now, onto the story. It was Chinese New Year and I was on the train to Chongqing to visit a friend. I don't like flying and I really like trains. Now, I had my Samsung Tab S8 Plus and was watching Final Fantasy VII Advent Children with Bluetooth. Suddenly, I felt something nudging against me. I looked to see a kid, maybe in elementary, trying to look at my movie. So I turned off my Bluetooth and turned the tablet to him so that he could watch as well. Yeah, that sounds weird, but being a teacher here, you get used to it. Anyway, he was really immersed. And though I couldn't understand him, I could tell that he was enjoying it a lot. He was trying to talk to me, but his English wasn't so good and my Chinese was worse. So he opted for, I like this, so cool, me too, and things like that. Very basic English. He was a sweet kid and he got to watch the whole thing before our stop. He even said Chong King and I said me too. He waved goodbye and ran back to his mum, and I began to pack my things so I could get off. Then it happened. A woman approached me with the kid and in perfect English demanded my tablets. She literally said, give me your tablets. I thought I was in twilight zone and I wanted to ensure I heard her correctly. Excuse me? Give me your tablet. I want my son to have it. I refused. A simple no. And she said those magic words that I'd begun hating to hear. But you're a foreigner. You can just buy another one. Now, a couple of things. One, I don't know if the kid really wanted my tablet or not. And frankly, I didn't care. And two, I come from a family that has taught me to never let anyone make you feel less than others. If somebody tries to take my dignity, it's not going to end well for that person. And no, I don't actually have to fight to get my point across. Fair warning, I'm paraphrasing the confrontation because it lasted a lot longer than I cared for. I said, no, I can't. I have to save to buy this. You could do the same. No, you can give me yours and stop being selfish. Again, I countered. Or you can stop being an entitled female dog and buy your own. It was my first time seeing a shocked Pikachu face. And to rub salt in the wound, I added, shoo shoo. She did go away, only to come back with the police. Now that I should have seen coming, but I didn't because I was focused on getting off the train. Lucky for me, the policeman also spoke English with great fluency. He was also really polite and obviously not in the mood for any of this. Sir, this woman says that you stole her tablets. I saw the woman behind him with a triumphant smirk while speaking Chinese. I let out a sigh. I'd already wasted enough time on this nonsense. So I did what I always did when I wanted to get my point across in the quickest way possible. I turn cold. In fact, my students refer to it as me turning into Bing Ayoshi, ice teacher. I looked at the police officer and said, I'll make a deal with you. I'm going to use my fingerprint to unlock this tablet. If it doesn't work, she can have it. If it does work, I get to bash her face in. Wow. That woman's Pikachu face came back so fast that the officer even had a shock look. He asked me if I was serious and I said, definitely. I guess the woman saw my face and tried to backpedal, but I wasn't going to let her go until I made my points. 
When she tried to leave, I said, where are you going? I thought you said this was yours. The woman looked to the police for help, but as I said, he was not in the mood. She said something in Chinese to the man, only for the man to give a short reply. I guess he wasn't going to entertain this and made sure I didn't hit her. How dare you? You had the nerve to try and take something that's mine because I'm a foreigner? You're disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. The woman had a mixture of fear, shock, and anger on her face when I finally asked, is this your tablet? When the woman said no, I leaned my head in towards her and barked, what was that? She finally said that the tablet was mine before taking her kid and leaving. The kid did wave goodbye to me despite his mother's objections and I smiled and waved back. The officer asked me if I was serious about hurting her and I told him the truth. I wouldn't have hit a woman over an object. He laughed and wished me a happy Chinese New Year. I told my friend about this and we had a good laugh. Well, OP, when you said at the start of this story that often locals, you know, pick on or choose to go after foreigners because they know they're more wealthy or earn more from their jobs, I didn't think it would be like this. You know, I didn't think it would be actually trying to steal or at least get for free their technology products. That is a new level. Again, as I always say, whenever I read stories like this involving a kid that's pretty innocent, having a great time, and then their entitled parent that is like this, I really hope that they grow up and don't become like their parent because, uh, you know, we've seen it too many times before. What can happen to a very innocent young kid just enjoying a program on an iPad and then it gets ruined by their mother. Sad, but it is the way that the world works. Wow, OP's actually just put a little edit in the comments um, and they actually say that their colleague at work saw this post and told OP that he got lucky because according to him, some cops would arrest foreigners just for making threats to Chinese locals. He told OP that he's seen cops force foreigners to give their possessions to liars without getting them back despite reporting them. Sure, they get in trouble, but you're still without your possessions. Wow, I've got to say that this police officer in this story acted pretty well. Like that is exactly how you'd want a police officer to act, you know, pretty uh, impartial. Just, hey, what's going on here? Sort it out. Nice. But hearing stories about that, goodness me, sounds like you did get lucky and that's kind of worrying. Let's be realistic. Entitled SOB colleague drinks from my personal mug. This happened 10 years ago and all names have been changed. My name for this story is Larissa, which is not my real name. I used to work for a money exchange company with a front store and office in the heart of the city center. The store had four stories and we'd often host training sessions there. Because of this, we had company branded mugs and us in-store staff had our own mugs. Now, I noticed that people would use my personal mug despite the amount of company mugs available. I don't like sharing my mug with people, but I will with people that I'm close to, but I do not with those I don't know. I don't know their hygiene levels and it stresses my inner germaphobe out. I remember seeing a visiting member of staff drinking from my cup once and they just shrugged and said it was clean and there, so they used it. Rude, but okay. I moaned about it to my gorgeous, caring friend, who for my birthday made me a -a one-of-a-kind mug especially for me. She probably got tired of me complaining about her. So I bring my new mug into work and return my other generic one back home. There is no way that anyone could mistake this as available for public use, right? Wrong. Q-Tom, not his real name. He was a blonde, cocky SOB who had to be the loudest in the room and was such an attention seeker. Those big buckle types, always talking about how detailed oriented he was, blah, blah, blah. I came into the staff room one day and found out that he was visiting. I left as it was a bit too crowded. When I left, Tom was rifling through the cupboards, 
At this point, we'd moved all in-house staff mugs to a separate cupboard to avoid issues as this had caused friction before. There are about 30 company-branded mugs, so no reason for anyone to use personal mugs. I returned later and noticed that he'd once again used my mug. The staff room was quieter, but still busy. Maybe 10 people or so, including Tom and I. This awkward interaction followed. Hey, are all the company mugs being used? No, said Tom. Okay, so why are you using one of the personal mugs? It was the first mug I grabbed. This was most likely a lie, but I couldn't prove it. Just use one of the company mugs. Those are ours for our personal use. We bought them from home. But these are company cupboards, so I don't see what the issue is. I came in and I grabbed a mug. Okay, but we have company logo mugs for a reason. Use one of those and put that one back. At this point, I was angry. Tom, with a cocky grin on his face, takes another sip from my mug and says, I don't know what your issue is. It's not like the mug has your name on it. Mm, Actually, I think you'll find it does. I point at the mug. Tom's actually baffled by this. Oh, wow. I thought he was being sarcastic. What do you mean? No, no. It literally has my name on it. Look, I point at the mug and in huge red lettering, it says Larissa. This is where it got very interesting. One of my colleagues started laughing. They know why I got that mug, because it's happened to me so many times before, hence my name's on it. Tom's face then went red, like tomato red, and you could see him sweating from embarrassment. Serves him right for trying to be a condescending SOB. I'm not quite sure how you missed it, I said, considering you're so detailed oriented. The writing is huge and in red. Please pour your drink into another mug. I'd like a cup of tea and I want to use my mug. I've never seen anyone pour a drink and hightail it out of somewhere so fast. What made it worse is that afterwards, everyone in the company somehow found out and people started making jokes about hiding their stuff. They did this because he would do this everywhere he went, drink from someone else's mug on purpose and claim it was an accident. I only found this out afterwards when news of the incident did the rounds. The fact is, his cockiness made me want to expose him. It also made him look like an idiot. Going forward, he only ever drank from company logo mugs, but someone always reminded him of this incident. See, I actually can't work out what's more dumb here, guys. The fact that this person, Big Tom, didn't realize that your name was on the mug that he was drinking out of or the fact that he's drinking out of it in the first place. But as I said during that story, I thought he was being sarcastic when he said, what do you mean? If the letters Larissa are just on the mug and he's not seen it. Uh, But no, apparently not. He actually just hadn't seen the name Larissa on a mug. I I don't know. He might just be a very simple human that can't read. And Tom, if you are watching or listening, my friend, and that is you, then I'm sorry. And it also means that you won't be able to know what word I'm holding up on screen right now. And there it is. Steve, please don't uh, do me dirty there. (laughs) Please, my friend, please. Entitled father wanted to benefit from killing my mother. It's been one year, four months, one week, and four days since my mum passed due to COVID. Even sharing this now, I'm having a hard time, but I'm hoping that letting it out will help with grieving. When she first tested positive while working at the VA Northern California Healthcare System in Oakland, I told my father to take my mum to be seen by a doctor and to get her help. She passed away eight days later. She never told us how bad it was, just for us to stay away so we don't get COVID from her. My father is a Navy veteran, medically and mentally ill, and he's a Trump supporter who drank bleach literally. 
He threatened to divorce her if she got vaccinated with the mark of the beast and adamantly told his children that we will all die from the vaccine. During her last days, she'd reached out to my father's siblings to beg them for help, convincing him to take her to the hospital or for them to take her. The morning before she passed, his sister was able to convince him to take her. She lost consciousness when she arrived and was immediately admitted to the ICU. She passed away a couple of hours later on the 9th of October, 2021 at 12.28 p.m., in room 242 ICU2H4. How terribly sad. I'm so sorry for your loss, OP. I contacted the funeral home to make arrangements, gave my apartment to my youngest sister, and moved back in to take care of my father. I then arranged and coordinated to have a funeral in America and her home country simultaneously, so that her family who weren't able to come to America could still attend. My aunts deserved to see their sister buried. That was non-negotiable. My mum's friends started a GoFundMe, which funded her celebration of life both in America and in her home country. My father has a lot of health and mental issues. My mum was his primary caregiver. When I moved in, I took care of him physically, mentally, and financially. I made sure he ate, took his meds, didn't shoot himself with my mum's guns that he made her buy because he couldn't qualify to get his own, and paid all of our family bills. That's food, gas, mortgage, car notes, electricity, water, cell phone bills, just to name a few. I also financed our youngest sister's living and school expenses while she finished nursing school, all while I'm trying to maintain my own bills and household. During that time, my father felt more entitled than he already did. He wants to tell me what to do, but admits that he doesn't know what he's doing when I do exactly what he says to show him it won't work or doesn't work that way. He also wanted me to pay for everything by myself while he had over $5,000 in income every month on top of what my parents had in savings for a rainy day, which was substantial. There were several straws that broke the camel's back per se. Aside from wanting me to do as I'm told, but wanting me to take care of everything he's unable to in his grief, he kept pushing the issue of cutting off my youngest sister. He insisted that she is an adult and should be able to take care of herself if she would have made better decisions. This coming from the same adult who's not able to take care of himself due to long-term alcohol abuse. I've tried over and over again to explain that our mum was generous enough to have supported my brother and I and that we wouldn't be where we are in life without her support. Because my sister is much younger than us, she did not get the opportunity to receive the same amount of support that we did, and she deserves to. She wasn't working at the time and only had several months left of nursing school before graduating. I'm very proud of her. The next straw that broke the camel's back was when I had asked a transition from me paying all of his bills to using his own income to pay for his own bills instead of just hoarding as much as he could. That's when everything went downhill fast. He argued that I'd have money if I didn't support my sister. I argued that he has his own money to use that he's not currently using while I pay for everything. He said he'd pay me back if I give him an itemized list of bills that I paid for, which I gave him a copy of several times, but I never saw a dime. Not that I was expecting anything. I just wanted to give him what he asked for so he couldn't say that I didn't. I told him I couldn't continue supporting him and that I needed help paying their bills. He asked about the GoFundMe donation and told me to use that to continue paying for everything. I tried explaining to him how much was donated and how much was spent on funeral expenses. He exploded. We were at the top of the stairs when he started yelling inches from my face that the donations were for him and that I had no right to use it. 
And in his rage, he almost hit me like he used to do frequently when I was a child. He forgot that I was an adult now and that he's not as strong as he used to be. Short of me throwing him off the balcony, my now husband stepped in to remind my father that there was no way in heck he'd sit back and watch him hit or beat me like he wanted to. We moved out days later. That same month, he reported to the bank that my mum has passed and they closed her accounts. He then called the police to report that I cleaned out her accounts before closing them and stole thousands of dollars. After a long investigation by the police, they had the bank explain to him that the accounts were closed by him when he reported that she'd passed and that they've sent out a check to him in the amount of what was in all of the accounts. He then reported my car that was under his name stolen. After yet another long investigation, the police concluded with video and testimonial evidence from the dealership that the car was not stolen and that he'd bought the car with the intention of having me drive it. Shortly after, I got into a car accident, unrelated, that totaled the car, which he got a check for from the insurance company because it was under his name. I've since bought my own car without his help in any way, shape or form. When none of his police reports panned out, he resorted to calling my job to have me fired. He told them I was using drugs. I worked with special education students and was routinely drug tested. When he started showing up to the school, I was let go because he's made an unsafe situation for any students to be exposed to. He then started showing up to my apartment to break into my car and leave things on my front door to let me know he came by. He attempted to break in once, but my dogs prevented him from entering intact. We've since moved to another city and he no longer knows where we live. I've cut off all communications with him. I've since gotten married and given birth. Family members and my mum's friends keep asking if my father has met my child or if he knows he's a grandfather. My mum shouldn't have allowed an abusive alcoholic around her children. I will not allow him to be around mine. Oh my goodness me. What a sad start to this episode. I just feel like completely devoid of everything when I read stories like this. Just so tragic to think that your mum's life, I don't even want to say is likely to have been saved, is very likely to have been saved if she'd gone to hospital as soon as she started feeling poorly. We've seen the stats right? I'm sorry, we have. If you get to a hospital and you have COVID, even back then, your chances of survival were obviously way more increased than if you didn't go. And it's your own dad's negligence that has stopped your mum from being around right now. And look, I get it. He has some issues. Fine. Everyone's got issues. It doesn't mean you stop someone who is really horribly ill from going to hospital. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. That's not an excuse. I will say that it's great to hear that now things are going well for you and you have your own family and you've cut that horrific man off. However, I can't get over the fact that your dad has literally killed your mother and you're going to have to live with that forever. It's so sad. Best of luck to you and your family in the rest of your life. Now for our next entitled parent story. And unfortunately, guys, this one is not much better than the first. My mother-in-law tried to stop my wife's life-saving treatments. Allow me to introduce you to my late mother-in-law. I'll call her Carol for the sake of variety. Though I've heard many stories about her, for the most part, I'll stick with things that I witnessed myself. There are enough of them. I don't think Carol ever met a new age concept that she didn't like. Her express goal was to synthesize all religion, science, and mysticism into a unified whole all of it. To this end, she amassed a large collection of books and stranger objects from her travels, with a special focus on healing. Her library had volumes about vibration manipulation, curative trampolining, homeopathic color therapy, and on and on. 
I'm not joking or exaggerating here. Her shelves had lots of admittedly pretty mineral crystals, along with bottles of magic goddess essence water evaporated away, and bogus radon protectors powered by diagrams of geometric figures. Her favorite book, based on the number of annotations and sticky notes, was hundreds of pages of word salad about spiritual beings from the star Archturus. That's Arcturus spelled with an H because of an H bar, which is Planck's constant from physics. Except that Planck's constant is denoted by H, and H bar is H, the reduced Planck's constant. It's important to get these details right when you're dealing with spiritual beings, guys. Her pentagonal home was custom built around an energy vortex that she discovered in the coastal peaks of British Columbia. What an intro. Off the rip, let's just say this. This woman sounds interesting. Right then, Carol's parenting was, how shall I put this, more darkly eccentric. She was physically and emotionally abusive to her children. Well, all the fun and weird stuff lasted for about two seconds. One still has some pencil lead embedded in his hand from when she stabbed him because she wasn't satisfied with his piano practice. She attacked one with a kitchen knife. She started shaming her daughter, later my wife, as soon as she grew breasts, for growing breasts. So she forced her daughter to wear two large bathing suits with the apparent intention of making said breasts look smaller by contrast, but with the actual effect that there were wardrobe malfunctions. She was ashamed that her daughter went into medicine and became a noted specialist, rather than supporting her own non-traditional medical work. I wonder why her daughter went into medicine. You know, science. I really wonder why. My wife got the heck out at age 17 and moved across the country to go to university. For most of the time after that, she went relatively low contact. Again, I really wonder why. A decade ago, my wife suffered from a surgical error, which resulted in abdominal sepsis and asked me to call her mother. That made me understand just how deathly serious the situation was. I was to call in the family for what might be the last time. I hadn't grasped that her life was truly at risk until that point. Nothing less would have induced her to try to get her mother to visit. To her credit, Carol hurried out for what was supposed to be a couple of weeks. It was expected that in that time, my wife would either be dead or on the road to recovery. Carol stayed in our home and at first things didn't go too badly. For the most part, we just didn't talk about the treatments that my wife was undergoing. Carol did, though, express concern about the antibiotics that were being given, since, according to her own views, antibiotics did nothing but harm. But a couple of weeks stretched into a couple of months, and Carol became harder to live with. She was angry when I stroked my wife's hair with my hand because I was blocking the energy from her chakra. She started blaming me for having somehow caused the nausea that the bot surgery was supposed to cure. I drove her out to pick up a magical concoction of essential oils on the condition that she checked with one of the doctors before applying them. I pointed out that if the mixture had the power to heal, then it also had the power to cause harm, which Carol denied. When we got back to the hospital, I nabbed one of the residents when we reached my wife's floor to ask about that. Carol became furious about it and was clear that she had no intention of talking with the doctors. At home, she became more abusive to me. She was claiming that I was abusing my wife by not letting her have her things in the house. At that point, I lost my temper. That's the first time that I'd yelled at a person in literally a couple of decades. I told her that almost everything in sight was actually her daughter's, displacing my stuff. The sofas, the piano, tables and chairs, the bookshelves, and the electronics. The shelves for the CDs and DVDs were mine, but half the contents were hers. Carol wanted to know if I would be continuing the herbal remedies after she left, and I told her that that was up to my wife. 
I'd continue them if she wanted. I'd stop them if she preferred. Carol screamed that I was abusing my wife by following her own wishes rather than her mother's. On the night before Carol was finally supposed to be heading out, I was restless. That particular nightmare was about to end, but my wife was still quite ill. I got to thinking about that essential oil mixture, which included both oil of cloves and oil of cinnamon. Those are both strongly irritating if left on the skin and Carol had been painting my wife's feet with the stuff. Her feet were, apparently, the correct energy points to draw out the infection. I went online and found the manufacturer's instructions, which specified that the oil needed to be significantly diluted with some neutral oil if it was going to be applied to the skin. Carol hadn't even been using this stuff properly. Well, that explained why the skin on my wife's feet was yellow and starting to peel. But Carol was furious when I calmly pointed out the problems that she was creating out of ignorance. A few days after Carol left, my wife took a turn for the worse and had to go back into the intensive care unit. And I dreaded the phone call that I had to make. Not because of the bad news, but because I anticipated how Carol would react. And she didn't disappoint. If you really loved her, you'd put her back onto the herbal oil and stop the antibiotics. You know perfectly well they don't do a dang lick of good. At which point I hung up. I had other things to worry about. My wife pulled through after months in hospital and three stays in ICU. She's still in poor health. I told her that I was putting my foot down. Under no circumstances was her mother welcome under my roof again. She'd grossly abused her privilege as a house guest. I didn't care about the family custom that family members were always welcome to stay as guests. I would not stay under the same roof as her mother. Having heard my stories and based on her own experiences, my wife agreed. A few years ago, Carol died, much as she had lived. She was diagnosed with metastasized lung cancer. Although she did undergo some real medical therapies, she relied mostly on her quack remedies. Poor, poor twig powder, whey protein, immune boosters, and the like. The usual stuff that ethics-free swindlers pawn off on desperate sufferers. She firmly believed that all the little white spots on her lung x-rays were a good sign and that her rapid weight loss indicated that her boosters were draining the cancer away. If there's some existence after death, I hope she came to appreciate all of the harm that she did in life. Except... A couple of nights after she passed away, I was driving from the hospital back to the Energy Vortex house. The rental's car navigation device suggested a shorter route than I'd taken to get there. But that route turned into a back road, into a rough road in the hills, into a track through the forest, and in pitch darkness apart from my headlights, over a rocky bump and directly into a tree trunk. Luckily, I was traveling slowly and I stopped in time. As I paused, shaken, I got to wondering if there might be something to Carol's worldview after all, and if her vengeful spirit might have possessed the GPS device, making one last try at killing me. And there we go. To be honest, guys, stories like this, as much as they are kind of fun a little bit and like it's funny to laugh at someone like carol because she is so stupid it does make me feel a little bit sick because i don't mind you as an individual believing whatever you want about anything to be fair as long as it doesn't harm someone else you can believe that i'm an elephant if that's what you want to believe but if it starts to harm me then i am no longer an elephant i am jack and yeah look i get it not the best analogy but I hope that at least one of you gets what I'm saying. The point being, if you want to do some silly essential oil stuff, and I'm sorry, it is silly, then you go ahead. If you want to do your little rituals that make you happy, that's fine. But the moment you start rubbing essential oils into your dying daughter's feet, that is when it gets to me. That is when it's no longer funny. Unless 
you're doing it for OnlyFans and I'm paying. Then I can allow it. But all jokes aside, seriously, if you're doing something for yourself, that's fine. But when it comes to, to serious things like death and cancer and all that sort of rubbish, sorry, but if you're not going to go through the proper processes, that's your own fault. Deep, but true. My aunt stole my inheritance. Then karma struck and her life fell apart. My aunt was one of two kids my grandparents had. My mother was the polar opposite to my aunt. She worked from the age of 12 in my grandfather's shop, never asked for anything, and eventually managed to start her own business. My aunt never held down a job until the age of 26. She was constantly stealing from her parents and was constantly in trouble. Despite this, my aunt was spoiled by my grandmother, and so were her kids. She had three kids from three different men, and her first husband was not one of them, if you know what I mean. It didn't matter what my aunt or her kids did, my grandmother would always always jumped to their defense. She never had time for my mum and her kids unless it was to get something from us. The only reason my mum would visit her was because she loved my grandfather. My grandfather passed away in 2004, and a few months after, my nan decided to write up a new will. My mother and my aunt were both present for it when she signed it, so they knew what was in it. It made it so that when she passed away, her home would be sold, and the money split 25% each to my mum and aunt, and the remaining 50% would go evenly to the grandkids. At the time, the home was worth more than half a million pounds, so it would be a nice little inheritance, but nothing life-changing. In 2010, my mum died after an accident and did not have a current will in place. As she no longer had her business and was renting a house, she didn't have anything of much monetary value. The only thing she was concerned about was what would be done at her funeral should she pass away. But she told me everything she wanted. The music, the flowers, the coffin color, and even what people were to wear at the funeral. She wanted people to wear bright, warm colors. So when she passed, my aunt and nan took over all the arrangements and tried to undo all the things I told them. The songs were going to be songs I knew mum didn't like. The flowers were all the wrong colors and they picked a hideous coffin. With the help of my siblings, we were able to change a few of the things back to what they were supposed to be. But the coffin couldn't be changed for some reason. And my nan refused to let people come dressed as clowns. So it was all black. It was frustrating. After the funeral, my nan had her will changed. My siblings and I were told by our aunt that she didn't have any involvement with the writing of the will, and our nan told us that she changed it so that mum's share would go to her kids instead. All good, we thought. After mum passed away, my nan just stopped talking about my mum. At first, we thought it was because she was still recovering from losing her daughter, but even five years after mum passed, she still wouldn't talk about her. Even if you brought up a story about my mum, Nan would very obviously try and change the subject, usually about how hard my aunt and her trashy kids had it. And if you went to talk about your own problems, she would somehow bring it back to my aunt. I suffered a mental breakdown after my mum's death, so you can imagine how much it hurt to hear, well, X has had it so much worse. In 2016, my Nan passed away. She'd written down what she wanted to be done for her funeral. And it was basically all the same things that she'd picked out for my mum's funeral. Even the music to be played. I don't know why she tried to have a dress rehearsal funeral using my mum as the stand-in, but it was obvious that that's what she was trying to do. So after a couple of months, our siblings and I were waiting to hear about the will reading. And my aunt kept telling me, oh, it will be another month before we can do the reading. I didn't mind. I wasn't fussed about the money, to be honest. 
but my oldest brother was hoping to use the money to pay for a honeymoon for him and his then fiance and my younger brother was about to start uni so it would have been one heck of a help eventually my dad bumped into the solicitor my grandmother had used to deal with her will and asked what was happening the solicitor let slip that the will had already been read and that it left everything to my aunt When my dad questioned this, the solicitor told him that my aunt had been present when the will was written, despite promising that she had nothing to do with it. When confronted, my aunt initially tried to deny, but eventually admitted to lying to all of us. She showed us the will and it confirmed what we already knew. The house and all its contents were now my aunt's. This included my granddad's war medals he fought in the Second World War. When I told her that he'd promised them to me before he died, she said... Well, unless you have it in writing, you will have nothing in this house. Anyway, I already gave them to Clive. My heart sank. Clive, not his real name, obviously, was her eldest son and the dictionary definition of a screw up. He'd been in and out of prison for stealing and dealing drugs. I knew that the moment that idiot got his hands on my granddad's medals, they would have been sold off. We looked into taking her to court over the will, but everyone we spoke to said that we probably wouldn't get anything out of it. She immediately put the house up for sale at close to three quarters of a million pounds. She'd angered too many people in our town, so she was going to sell the house and move closer to her daughter, who lives in a big city. An offer was made on the house and she put down a deposit on a house near the big city. And I thought that was that. Here's where karma comes into play. The people who wanted my nan's house had a survey done on the house to see if there were issues. And oh boy, there were. It turns out that the land the house was built on was way too soft for the type of house it was. And it was sinking. It sunk about two centimeters in the 40 plus years my nan and granddad had lived there. But the sinking was accelerating to one centimeter per year. This meant that within the next three years, the house would need some serious work or be knocked down. The new value of the house? Just £60,000. Therefore, the buyers immediately pulled out, having not even put down a deposit. She couldn't buy her new house, but still had to pay the deposit on it. And while this was happening, she let Clive move in with her into her house that she rented from the council. He wasn't allowed to live in any of the council houses because he trashed every single one he'd ever been given. Somebody reported this, and she was kicked out of her home. She was forced to move into my nan's old home as she couldn't live anywhere else. So there she is, living in a crumbling house with her idiot son and her partner. She was stuck there for two years. Every time I saw her, she'd try and start talking to me and I would just ignore her and walk off. One time as I was walking away, she screamed, your mother deserved to die for having a R word like you in the middle of a busy street. Someone reported her to the police and she had an official warning from them and was ridiculed on Facebook. Every time I saw her after that, she looked more and more miserable. Eventually, she sold the house for something like £85,000 and moved in with her daughter in the big city. I lost contact with her and her kids after this. I thought karma had been issued. Oh, but karma still wasn't done with her. I bumped into one of her former friends and she told me what happened after she left our town. She moved into her daughter's home, let's call her Sue, but they only had a three bedroom house and three kids. My aunt and her partner had to live in the smallest room in the house while my aunt looked for a job and a home to rent. Even with £85,000 cash, she couldn't afford a home anywhere. After about a month, my aunt's partner ran off after emptying her accounts. She was left stranded in Sue's house, not contributing anything because all the money she makes goes into bingo. Eventually, Sue and my aunt get into a screaming match and my aunt says something along the lines of, 
I should have aborted you. Sue immediately kicked her out of her house. So again, there's my aunt in a city where she knows nobody, no money, no home, and the last bridge she had, a smoldering wreck. Last anyone has heard, she was living in a caravan in the roughest part of the city, and she can no longer work because she's suffering early onset arthritis and can no longer move her hands. I know I shouldn't get joy out of something like this happening to another person, but it does bring me some peace as to what happened. Wow, before we got into the end of that story, I was thinking, okay, that is some pretty good karma. I'm happy that everything seems to have evened itself out. And then there was another paragraph. And it kept going and going. And honestly, I loved every second of it. I mean, look, stealing someone's inheritance is one thing. But things like those war medals that have obviously been sold, you're never going to get them back. Those are memories that have no price. You cannot put a price on them. They are so special to you and they've gone. I mean, that, if anything, is worth all that karma alone. And look, I'll say this. Karma is a But then again, so is your aunt. So it seems completely fair to me. Now, if you like stolen inheritance stories, you're going to want to stay tuned because I've got another one for you. Mum wants me to sign over 250,000 beneficiary check. My dad passed away recently and it came to light that he named me as one of the beneficiaries on his life insurance policy. My mum says that it was a mistake and that I'm not supposed to be a beneficiary, just her. She wants me to file for the money and sign the check over to her. I'm going to go through with it because she is my mum and blah, blah, whatever. But the insulting part is that my mum says I can keep $5,000 from it to throw my wedding. I only have 2000 from my own money because my partner and I are kind of broke. Is she being entitled or am I or both of us? Okay, wow. This is one of the craziest posts I've ever read. OP couldn't possibly be less understanding of the situation. I don't want to be harsh, but that is the truth. But thankfully, there is an update which we're going to get straight into. And hopefully some sense has come into OP's head or at least someone has told them what they really should be doing here. Oh boy. Well, some updates are due. First of all, thank you all for your concern and comments in my first post. It was helpful to hear your perspective on the money and it definitely changed my view of the whole situation. To recap quickly, my dad passed away and he named me as a beneficiary on his life insurance policy. My mum said it was a mistake and that I'm not supposed to be a beneficiary, just her. So she wants me and my brother to file for the money and then sign the check over to her. Now on the policy, my mum is named at 34% and my brother and I are named at 33% and my younger sister is not named. It turns out that the policy was not made before my sister was born which adds to the murkiness and confusion surrounding why my sister is not included my guess is that my dad signed up for this policy and forgot my sister's social thinking he'd just come back to it later and revise but he never got around to it i guess he was bipolar and did things impulsively sometimes I think this life insurance policy was one of them. Well, at least he had life insurance. Suggesting we slow down and talk about this policy more has made me the bad guy in the family. My mum and my brother think that I am being selfish. It's gotten so tense that we have to discuss things via email because everyone is getting so emotional about it. My mum continues to insist that he made a mistake. She writes, When dad took out this policy, his intention was for me, my mum, to have money to pay off the house, which is already paid off by the way and have financial means to take care of the family. Dad would never ever intentionally exclude his youngest daughter from this scenario if his intentions were to split things between the family. I believe he completed the paperwork incorrectly because he didn't understand how to write the policy to support his intentions. I responded with a proposal. The three of us split the cost of my dad's medical bills for the past two years of his illness, hospice care costs, and the funeral. 
After that is settled, my brother and I split our portions into three so that my sister gets a share. She does not like this proposal and passive aggressively told me to not bother paying her back for the medical and funeral costs. I also get the sense that she is trying to guilt trip me because she keeps saying that she can't afford to screen in her porch. I'm sure there'll be more updates. This feels long from over. Okay then, just as I was going to say with the first one, really, I feel like with this story, you need to just get a lawyer involved. You need someone in the mixer who knows exactly what is going on and exactly what you can and can't do to stop your mum from getting away with this. I am glad though that my fears after the first post before this update are not going to come to fruition. I was very worried there that you were just going to sign over just because she's your mum and be done with it. But thankfully, the people of Reddit have told you that that is not a good idea. And that is the beauty of Reddit and why I love the platform, because you do get the most genuine, helpful advice on the entirety of the internet from people who know a lot more than you. And look, I hold my hands up. I put myself in that situation too. A lot of times, if I need to know some information that I can't just instantly find, I'll ask a question on Reddit and I'll get fantastic answers. However, with all that being said, as I said at the beginning, I would still get a lawyer involved to make sure that you're not conned out of an incredible amount of money entitled parent parks in my driveway i own a house a couple houses down from a school so this was bound to happen eventually when it's time for the kids to go home my street is lined bumper to bumper with parents to pick up their kids the sidewalks are full of families who walk all the way to their cars i often have to pick up balloons snack packaging old homework worksheets and general garbage that the kids drop If you're trying to get home around the time school lets out, there is no way you're going to be able to get there before the blockade the parents make is gone. This has been a problem the few years we've lived here. There's two places the kids let out. My street, which is a small cul-de-sac with the school at the top, and a main road that's open all the way down to a baseball park with a wider road to allow street parking and two-way driving. Obviously, if you can't find parking, the tiny residential road isn't the way to go. There are three cars at my home. My car, my roommate's car, and my husband's utility van, which he parks on the road to avoid blocking our roommate since she's frequently in and out. Fridays, today, I work from home. So when I finish work, I put my head out the window to look at my fruit tree I have near my driveway. It's spring, I keep excitedly looking for blooms. And I notice a big white Buick SUV in the middle of my driveway blocking both spots for my car which my husband was using since I was home and my roommate's spots. Honestly, why would you park in someone's driveway? So on top of these entitled parents blocking up our small residential road, this person decided to take up a private residence's driveway. I got on the phone with the non-emergency police line and took pictures of the vehicle and plates. Then I got my husband's keys and backed his vehicle up to block the SUV into my driveway and I waited. 50 minutes later, the mum, Bug eye sunglasses, big old diamonds on her jewelry, and wearing athleisure, and she comes around to hop in the driver's seat and smiles and waves at me, sitting on my steps. Honestly, she probably thought I was the homeowner's kid or something, as I'm in my early 20s, atypical for a homeowner. Hi, I hope you don't mind, she said. You're trespassing. Why would you park in a private driveway? Sorry, I won't do it again. We were just leaving. She was being really dismissive and avoiding eye contact, despite taking the sunglasses off. I don't care. You have no right to park on my property. I'm on the phone with the police. It was just for a second. I was just picking up my daughter. It doesn't matter. You don't live here. You don't park here. At this point, I realized the non-emergency police aren't going to pick up. So I hang up and decide to screw with her a bit. 
She got in her SUV and dismissively waved at me So I got in my vehicle that was blocking her in and waited pretending to still be on the phone She starts trying to back out of my driveway because there was a little bit of a gap between my utility van and my neighbor's car But it was definitely too small for this buick I'd like to point out that this vehicle has a scuffed front bumper So I had a feeling she has no spatial awareness outside of her backup camera every time she backed up I honked still pretending to be on the phone She tried again. I honked again. She looked at my grass and I was about to start recording her in case she tried to go through my front yard and I honked again. If she kept trying to back out and hit my big utility van, she would certainly lose. She then gets out of her SUV and comes up to my van, recognizing that she can't do anything without making it far worse for herself. Her face was visibly patchy from the distress and she asked again, Are you really calling the police? Yes, you're illegally parked on my private property. That is illegal. I don't care if it's for five seconds. Don't freaking do it. You don't live here. Her kid then got out of the car and I decided that was enough. So I waited for her to get back in her SUV and I parked my van back in its rightful spot and I let her out. After that, I called the school and gave them the license plate number. Nothing would probably come of it, but I don't think she'll park in someone's driveway again anytime soon. I'll take the jerk points because there's a child involved, but you shouldn't put your child in situations like this anyways. And there we go. A classic entitled parent story to end this episode. Look, we've seen stories like this before, but I'll never understand, despite how many stories I read that are quite similar to this, why people do these sort of things and then why they think they can just get away with it when they're caught. Like you've been caught, hold your hands up and say, yeah, you got me. That's my bad. I shouldn't have done that. Don't try and go on the grass. Don't try and bump into another car. It's just ridiculous, especially given the fact that your kid is in the passenger seat and you've just picked him up from school and they're the ones that are learning all these lessons and probably getting extremely embarrassed by your disgusting actions. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this one. Really hope you've enjoyed it. You guys seem to love these compilation episodes. So I thought I'd collate some of the very best entitled parent stories of the year so far into this one extra long episode. If you did and you want more content from me right away like this, there's stuff on screen down in the description below on whatever platform you're on and subscribe and hit the follow button so you never miss another one of my daily uploads. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.